Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store, and I've shared before how I love an organization called TAPS, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. Recently, we invited some TAPS family members who had lost a military loved one to have dinner with us. As we listened to their stories, I was reminded again of how the loss of a military loved one is such a devastating experience. Not only is the loved one gone, but often they lose their military community, and sometimes an entire lifestyle. My heart was sad over their grief, yet my spirit was inspired by their courage. Then to top it off, I was amazed at their graciousness as they thanked us for just listening. At the Goodfeet Store, we love helping you get out of pain and back into the life you love, and we love supporting the work of TAPS. Come in today for your free fitting and test walk and ask any of our team members why TAPS is an organization that every American can support. Visit goodfeet.com for the location nearest you. All right, folks, it's another exciting day here in Durham, North Carolina. And, of course, it's the online dinner party. I'm hoping to be joined by a number of folks during the course of this particular afternoon, including, of course, uh, being joined by some entertainers, maybe even some filmmakers, because I've had some conversations with some of them that said that they might be joining to share some of the films that they are working on, including some that might be, uh, well, actually not might be, but will be shown at the Nevermore Film Festival held here in Durham. North Carolina. Usually that's a live event, but like so many other events these days, it's going to be in a virtual event. We do know that the uh, pandemic has definitely affected a lot of folks and is getting folks to change how they are doing things and all of that. As a matter of fact, the Super Bowl, which will be held on uh, not this Sunday, as a matter of fact, this Sunday, I believe, is the Pro Bowl, but that will be held next Sunday on February the 7th, that will be um, not as many people in the audience as we're used to in Super Bowls, even though they will have, I'm sure, the halftime show and a number of other things. But, you know, with the uh, limitations that are out there, they will not have the full amount of the capacity that you can have and all of that. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out and what goes on with that. And of course, you know, there are some changes going on in our government. I think a lot of positive changes. I'm seeing some executive orders that I'm actually enjoying and liking. I'm even there and that there's talk of that bigger stimulus package out there. And we'll see whether we get that or don't get that. But I do know that Mr. Biden, President Biden, is trying to put that together and would like to see that happen in the very near future. So we are hoping that that does go on and that we're able to see how that all transpires and all of that. So that's some of the things that are going on in the world. And of course, they are rolling out the vaccines regularly. I understand that Durham may be one of the uh, sites that has like a massive rollout of the vaccines and all of that. So we're going to see how that plays out. And for those of you that have been following the Silent Sam case and all of that, that's one of those statues that was toppled. The remaining charges have been dropped in the toppling of UNC's Silent Sam statue. So I just saw that come across my news breaks and along those lines. And of course, one of the things I'm trying to figure out is how the ex-president still has Air Force One, because I was reading in the uh, one of the news releases that I was seeing yesterday that he had flown down to Tampa, where apparently he's setting up something called the Office of the Ex-President or something along those lines. And I'm trying to figure out how he's still able to keep uh, the um, whole Air Force One plane and all of that. But then again, there's no telling what he might have taken away from the White House and all of that. That's just my thoughts and uh, not necessarily those of IBM TV, but I'm trying to figure out how he's managing to hold on to that right 
right now, but it does look like he's got that in his possession. And we're going to take um, a look at uh, other news items and other things going on. And like I said, I am expecting other folks to join in our conversation. But right now, I've got my good friend, Kara Oker. And uh, she's going to join us. And of course, she's got all kinds of great things going on in her world as well. We were actually talking about what it's like to have jobs that you don't necessarily enjoy. So she knows that I was over there packing those things earlier today over there. Um, They actually uh, had me do an even more mundane job today. So I think that I have uh, either graduated or degraduated because as I told you before, I was putting the items into the... uh, box of those so like the little kits along with the uh vowels into like a small box today in about the midway point i got the privilege of putting tops on the bottles so like i said this is way too much excitement for one individual to sit there and put little tops on top of the vials because of course the vials have to be contained and all of that so i sat there and put the uh tops on the vials and that was just way too much excitement but i'm sure that you get a lot of excitement in that job that you've got as well because we do know that no matter the age whether you're in the 30s or in the 50s we do sometimes have to find those jobs that just kind of like maintain us and all of that while we're trying to just cope with what's going on in the world. So uh, I'm sure you can relate. I'm sure sometimes you're sitting there in the grocery store with those boxes and you're going like, I really need to be working on my health coaching. I don't need to be doing this and everything else, but that's just the way things roll and all of that. We had some rain. Um, Actually, it just stopped raining and it's actually sunny right now and it's now right a little bit warm, but we did have uh, some rain earlier. I think it was both yesterday and today. And I think we were under a winter advisory. So and I don't, I don't know how they're going to have a winter advisory when it feels a little warm out there. But maybe this is the uh, what's that old saying, the um, calm before the storm. So maybe we're actually going to get some cold weather and everything along those lines. But how are things going in Cincinnati and what's happening in your world? And what's going on in that regard? I do see that we have been joined by Tara, the filmmaker, who is going to be popping in as well. And, of course, i got some other folks that will be joining the conversation as well. But definitely, how are things going in Cincinnati where you are? Well, first of all, I love how you can have a whole conversation with yourself. <laughs> like, you don't even need me. <laughs> I love it. I'm like waiting for two minutes to answer your question. And I'm like, you're the best. I I just appreciate you wholly, like you and all your essence. And um, that's why you're my new favorite person. And um, but yeah, you know, going back to the whole mundane job thing. Uh, yes, it's it's always nice to have that extra something, especially as you're fueling your your passion, right? But It's also important, especially with pandemic season to just want to keep saying, you know, I'll, I'll do like Kroger and then I'll top it off with Uber Eats and uh, drive around (laughs) and uh, tracking down orders and stuff. Right. It's just anything to like, just keep your mind busy. And uh, also, are you sure you've not been demoted? (laughs) Who knows? Like put a kindergarten rope on you. Like, (laughs) 
you know, anything is possible. There's no telling. Like I said, I do see other people that were doing the same task. So if I've been demoted, I'm not the, I'm not the alone one because there were other people doing the same <laughs> oh, okay. task as well. So, but oh, I, yeah, and like I said, that. that's good to, that's really good to know that other people were doing it too. You weren't like put in a corner, just putting no, top on <laughs> no, I was not put in a corner doing it alone. There were other people doing it as well. And I was actually shocked. I think they were giving me a hard time today because, you know, I believe in trying to like follow protocol and all of that. So I did not know when I came to work this morning that there was new people coming to work as well. So, you know, even though this is not our regular job that we do at measurement, as I've told you before, it's a testing company. So we're used to testing, but they actually grabbed some more people to come in and do these various jobs of creating these kits and these COVID kits and all of that. So these new folks came in and one of them was at the door when I came in and everything. So I went upstairs and I was like, let me check. So I'm going to check before I let somebody in because my uh, supervisor had not told me that we had a new group of folks coming in. He was like, you didn't let them in? I was like, no, because you didn't tell me yesterday. And then some other people came in behind me and they were like, they had the same attitude that I did. They were like, we didn't know that there were new people coming today. We weren't informed that there were new people coming today. So no, we left them outside until you tell us what to do and all of that. But they were giving me a little bit of a hard time. They're like, you cut a lot of men. I'm like, no, with my luck, they would have been like the wrong people coming in and I would have invited them in and all of that. I saw what happened in the White House. I <laughs> So you have like PTSD so which is which is real. Like that's so traumatizing. It yeah, I, I still get traumatized that people like if they're moving too quickly in the aisle, I'm like squooshed against the the canned soup and I'm like <laughs> But um yeah. that and and the pandemic, it's like you wanna be where the people are and then people also scare you. Like people terrify me and yet I miss them. It's, it's really weird. It's a weird place to be at. Um, yeah. It is a weird place to be in. And speaking of a weird place to be in, I don't want to leave Tara out of the conversation. So I want to bring yes. in our friend Tara, who is our new best buddy and everything. So Tara, we'll definitely get a chance to show the film that you've got going on and everything, but we were definitely just having a conversation about surviving during the pandemic. And one of the things that I've actually got to teach you about a couple of things. One is I saw that um, as I was reading some of your bio that I am a big time pet lover and all of that. And I saw that you and your husband have a cat and everything, but you called them actually two cats or three cats. But oh, I need to update my bio. But you called them weird cats. And I'm sitting there going like, but she's making horror films. The cats probably think that she's the weird one. <laughs> By the way, Kara has also got some animals as well. She's got Henry and Rita, so she's got a cat and a dog. So she's got both a cat and a dog hanging out in her area of Cincinnati, Ohio. But I was curious to learn a little bit more about you and also how the cats feel about you since you called them weird and all of that. But before we get to that, one of the things that shocked me was that you decided to move from the high point of filmmaking, which is what everybody considers California, to Maine. So like I said, when I read that, I'm going like, wait a minute, her and her husband were already living where all the filmmakers <laughs> are. They were living out in that whole California area and everything. And now they're living in Maine. So yeah. I don't know if there's an active film community in Maine. Maybe there is, and I'm just not aware of it. But what made you move to Maine? And are the cats Maine cats? Or did you take them from California to Maine? 
Well, the, the two that are mentioned in my bio, because we just adopted a third about three weeks ago, uh, which wasn't a plan, wasn't part of the plan. It just happened. They're but like the, potato chips after a cat. <laughs> right? It's so true. It was, it's, it's a senior cat and she kind of got dumped and we took her in. And, yeah. But uh, so she's from this area. But the, yeah, the other two are from LA. We adopted them from the city shelter in LA, like years apart. Um, they're both, they're awesome, but they're weird. But you can see all your pets are weird because you know, you know how it is. Like you, yeah. your pets do unique, weird sorts of things that only you know. Your friends will never see it because they never do it when anyone's around except you. Yeah, and, uh, weird. Yeah, but it. So Maine, I don't know. We um, we were. Uh, I've got family back on the East Coast, and I I grew up actually on the East Coast. I'd lived in LA since 1994, so. It's a long time. I just felt like it was time. I, LA's changed a lot since I've lived there. And I mean, I love the place. I do. But anyone who's lived there can tell you that the cost of living is astronomical. And the bottom line was we wanted to be homeowners. And we didn't see that happening in LA. It's, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard. So um, we, we were vacationing here back this way uh, about a year prior and a year ago, a little over a year ago. And my husband was like, you know, why don't we move here? Because prior to that, we were thinking about moving to Oregon. You know, we just, we wanted to get out of LA, but we wanted to be coastal. And uh, we wound up coming this week. And it's nice, because at least, you know, I've already got friends out here. And I know there, there is a good film community out here, actually. Prior to coming out this way, I'd attended the New Hampshire Film Festival, like numerous years. It, it, other films have played there and met a lot of filmmakers back this way. And it turns out Maine has a good community. And I mean, you know, everything's kind of up in the air right now, obviously, right. with COVID. But it's, um, it's just, it's pretty here, you guys. It's so pretty. And it's, it's affordable. <laughs> and it's, it's just lovely. LA is awesome. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. On fire most of the time these right. days. So. Yes, LA and California has definitely been on fire and everything. Now, um, I know that in the bio you definitely talked about the fact that you and your husband and the two weird cats had moved to Maine and everything. Now, is he in the industry as well or is he doing something totally different? Because I'm sometimes fascinated when folks are both in the industry and then sometimes it's better if somebody else is doing something a little bit more mainstream. But I'm just wondering, is he also in the entertainment game or is he doing something a little bit different in his work life? He's not in it at all. I mean, whatever works for every relationship is different. And it's not like I was looking for something particular. <laughs> it is very easy to meet people in your industry. We, we actually met in a bar of all places. Friends have said that's very retro to actually meet someone in a bar anymore, but that's how we met. And um, he's, uh, no, he works in like manual labor. He does tiling, he's a professional tile installer, like backsplashes and kitchens and floors and stuff like that. But he's really busy. Sorry? 
He's really handy then. He's super handy. He's also this really talented artist. He makes sculptures and I actually brought him on board for my movie. Um, Mark, you saw it. It's where the, the knife that the little girl uses we obviously couldn't give a real knife to a three-year-old little girl, so he, I had to find a prop that was a perfect match, but you know, made out of plastic. And my husband made that. He made that for me just from scratch. He just built it. He's so talented. And he'd never worked on a movie before, but when I said, I don't know how I'm gonna find you, know, I gotta find a place that can make a blade, he just started working on one without even telling me. He's awesome. Wow. He's multi-talented. He's also a good cook. I could rave about him all day. Sounds like, like a single <laughs> brother. He's he's freaking awesome. He's uh, I'm like, I need to what, what did you ask Kara? I said, does he have a single brother? Yeah. <laughs> or even a single <laughs> sister? Like <laughs> in another country, but not here. <laughs> there you go. Oh, so he's not even from this area originally. So he's no. From another- that's probably why he's so awesome. Well, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, tender internationally. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Spain. And it's nice. just it's such a different culture. So that's yeah, so cool. Gotcha. And how did you get involved in the filmmaking? Like I said, I did get a little bit of the bio and everything, but I would be curious to learn how you got into filmmaking and a little bit more about what drove you into the whole story making aspect of filmmaking because to me that's what films are is telling stories of a lot of different ways and all of that but i'd love to hear your thoughts as to what drew you into filmmaking it sounds like you've been doing it for a while because like i said you've been out in la since since, i think you said the late 90s and everything so definitely that's been a number of years that you've been out in the la area but i don't know how long you've been doing the filmmaking so how long what got you into filmmaking i like to tell people i moved to la when i was three now that I'm old, <laughs> I moved to LA to pursue uh, an acting career. That's how I started. And I did act for a long time. I did a lot of stuff. And um, then I just kind of, I never thought this would happen, you guys, but I grew bored of it. It's so weird when something's your huge passion and you chase it for so long. And then one day you wake up and you realize, I don't love this anymore. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what else to do because I've been doing it for so long. And, uh, but prior to that, I just, as actors do, I wanted to create content for myself. And that was what started me um, writing my own short films to honestly to cast myself in. And so the first two shorts I did, I didn't direct them. I wrote and I produced and I acted in them. And um, they did well, especially the second one. Played a lot of festivals, won some awards. And then, uh, you know, other things happened in my life that, that made me think, oh, I really love making shorts. This is really cool. I love the creative process and I feel so much more fulfilled as a writer, especially like creating something and getting to see it come to life, it felt much more fulfilling to me than any acting work I'd ever done. And then, you know, lo and behold, I guess it's the natural transition where, you know, eventually you're going to direct something. Everyone kept telling me, you need to direct. And I don't want to direct. I'm not a director. And then I did. I directed a film. I thought, okay, the only way I can direct something is if I'm not acting in it. So I directed a film called Earworm. It was my debut. And um, man, I loved it so freaking much. I was like, who needs this acting thing? <laughs> Screw this. <laughs> but it's, yes, sorry. It's, it's interesting that you say that. And I'd love to hear more of the stories about this and everything. I do want to get into a little bit about the earworm and everything. And I have a reason for wanting to know more about that and everything. Uh, and along that lines, because like I said, I'm in the testing field when I'm not doing my media and entertainment kind of work that I do. And earworms have actually come up even as something that we've learned a lot about in uh, 
schools and education and all of that. But one of the things I was going to tell you is that we've had the pleasure not of having um, Jim Carl on, who's the director of the like the programming of Nevermore and everything, as well as kind of like programming a lot of the things that go on at the Carolina Theater from the film aspect and all of that. But we've also had on this show and everything and on this platform, Deidre Hodge, who is the director of Full Frame. Deidre Hodge was also a Hollywood actress as well. She was actually involved in a lot of films. I think she was even involved in some of the uh, Star Trek takeoffs and everything, because I know that she knows uh, the gentleman that played uh, Data and a couple of other well-known um, actors out of L.A. and everything. And she had a similar kind of thought to you, that she definitely wanted to find something that was going to enhance some of her other aspects of what she loved. Because the acting was growing, um, I guess she was getting tired of some of those roles and not getting kind of like where she wanted. So in your case, you became a um, director and a filmmaker and all of that. In her case, she became executive director of a major film festival, which is the Full Frame Film Festival, which is also held in Durham as well. But yes, I remember us having that conversation where she was talking about um, some of her own background. And as you were talking, Tara, I was like, this sounds familiar. I think I've heard this story before, but in a different version and everything. So tell us a little bit or tell the, our international audience, because it is international broadcast media, a little bit about those early days in Hollywood and possibly even some of the folks that maybe you worked on or some of those early films that you worked on as well, because I'm sure folks would like to know a little bit about your early background. And then I am going to get to Earworm as well, because just the title alone is fascinating. Me. <laughs> I uh, wrote and... Um produced a short the first short film was called it's a lengthy title it's called another grace and johnny adventure zombie island and we the, my friend peter Sobe, he's wonderful he directed it. he came on and directed it for me and i acted in it and at the time i thought it was it was a, a sketch i actually wrote for the stage like a little sketch i was doing sketch comedy at the time in la and um I don't know, I, I wrote it, I changed the format, wrote it as a screenplay, my friend said he'd direct it, we did it, we shot it, I think in a day. And um, it was just such a wild time. I was showing up that morning on set, and like everyone was there, wardrobes there, makeups there, art department was there, and thinking, wow, man, this is all, all these people are here because of something I wrote. And that just felt so cool. And it, I think you just, be, you know, you become addicted to that. And it was weird though, wearing double hats, you know, acting, but also producing, it, it's such a, bizarre i don't know how like I, I maybe i'll get there but I, I don't know how some people do it when you see like ben affleck or whatever you know directing a movie he's also starring in this huge multi-million feature film and and i just didn't want to do it when i got into directing i thought i want to be fully focused on this um so anyway i did that and it got into some some local comedy fest but i was really new to the game so i didn't really you know i played a couple and i thought okay that's it <laughs> then i did I wrote in, produced, and acted in another short that's a sci-fi movie called The Routine. And that one, it was different. I thought, all right, I'm going to submit this to a lot of festivals. And it just took off. It became really popular. It, I wasn't really prepared for that. It was, it was quite something. It won, I think, eight or nine awards. And um, it, uh, it really, that's kind of, I think, what motivated me, to, to led me to Earworm. I actually had another film. Uh, ready to go that I was going to act in and I was looking for backing for it and some other things happened in my life with that movie that led me to go you know what I'm going to shelve that one because I don't think I want to act I think I'm just going to put that one on the side it's a movie called Collide that I never made I sold the script and um, I made Earworm instead I specifically wrote Earworm as something I could direct that I felt I would be capable 
of directing. And I cast a wonderful actor in it named Ernest Thomas, who I'd acted with before. We were in, we were in this uh, one of those um, sci-fi movies, uh, Mega Shark versus Colossus. <laughs> if you watch sci-fi late at night, you might catch it. And he and I were co-stars on that movie and became good friends while working. <laughs> well, I've actually had the pleasure of actually meeting and talking to Ernest Thompson and everything. I've had the pleasure of meeting him. I think he came and spoke. In my fact, I know he spoke. I work at a cultural arts center here in Durham, North Carolina, called the Haiti Heritage Center, which is an African American cultural arts center. And they brought him in to do a uh, like a whole speaking and engagement and everything. And he, I found him to be a very wonderful and very talented individual. Him. He's gone through a lot of hard times, which a lot of folks have gone through in the industry. And that's part of what he talks about in the talk that he gave and everything. But a lot of folks will also remember him from that classic show, What's Happening Now and everything. So definitely he was the star of that and everything. So I remember that old show and definitely a lot of folks will remember him and his relationship with his sister and rerun and the rest of the characters and everything. So definitely that was a powerful TV show that he was in. So how did y'all connect and how has that friendship maintained and everything? And then I had another question about comedy and how that can also play a role in filmmaking. But I'd like to hear more about your connection to Ernest Thompson. You know, the day I met him on set, we were um, shooting some exterior stuff. It's like a, you know, a military situation. We're on a boat. I played his lieutenant commander, I think. <laughs> it was a while ago. And um, I walked up to him and I introduced myself and I said, you know, I grew up watching you on TV. And he just smiled big and was like, no kidding. And we just, he was just such a delight. And it was, you know, low budget movie. And so we were kind of, kind of, when we were shooting a location, we had our own trailers. But then when we moved in for all the interior stuff, we were on the sound stage and we had like one green room slash changing room where we just all kind of hung out. And it was mostly he and I, because all of our scenes were together. So when there was waiting going on, as there is in movies, um, he and I would just hang out in that room like all day because they were running behind an awful lot. And I felt like we traded life stories. You know, he's just such an open and generous person and would ask me questions until I felt like I learned about his whole life. And he's he's just so down to earth and so funny. And um, it turned out he didn't live that far from me. So when filming wrapped, we said goodbye. And I said, I, you know, I really would love to stay in touch with you. And he said, all right. So we did. And when I wrote Earworm, at the time when I was writing it, I actually didn't, I wasn't thinking of him when I wrote it. But I was thinking, I need to, I want to cast a, an, an older, more character-y kind of actor in this. And then once I was done and I started thinking about, oh, I'm actually going to make this movie now. Who should I, he was the first person who popped to my head. And I emailed him and I'm so fortunate. He said, yes, I emailed him. I sent him the script. He told me later, we met for lunch to talk about it, to talk about the character and stuff. And, and he admitted to me that he passed the script along to a friend of his because he was scared. He was scared of doing it because of one particular shot. And his friend's like, you have to do this. I told him, well, thank you, friend, for me. <laughs> because <laughs> I can't imagine it without him. Yeah, wow. It sounds like it's going to be a, that it is a great movie and everything that Ernest Thomas was part of and all of that. Now, one of the things that you mentioned was your own comedy background. And I was wondering, do you think that that's important and helps you as a filmmaker? Because I've got a very good friend, Ronnie Warner, who is a filmmaker as well. And he was a stand-up comedian and still will occasionally do stand-up comedian. But he was one of the... 
Welcome back to the quickest podcast ever, brought to you by Kohl's. Today's topic, fall style. Wait, wasn't it just June? Right? So I went to Kohl's. Of course you did. I got a cute Kara Santana for Nine West sweater for 25% off and a great pair of Vans. Love Vans. And save 25% on a champion hoodie for my husband. Ooh, sounds cozy. You should go. You'll get 15% off or 15, 20, or even 30% off with a Kohl's card. BRB. Select styles. Offers end September 26th. Champion coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or for details. At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we've upped the benefits without upping the price. With Magenta Max, you get our best plan for 5G with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, you'll pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to 800 bucks Only at T-Mobile. Capable device required for 5G. Activate up to 4K or video streams at 480p. 40 gigs high-speed tethering. Up to $800 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Support charges waived. See details at T-Mobile.com. Uh, producers of This Christmas, and we've been a long-time friends. He actually grew up here in this North Carolina area and everything, but he, at the time, was a booking agent for a comedy club, and then he got tired of being the booking agent and felt that he was as funny as some of the comedians that he was booking, so he decided to pursue the career as a comedian and definitely um, had success with that, and now he is um, got his own production company, and he did This Christmas with Mackay Pfeiffer, and of course, he's worked on a number of other ones, including uh, Puff Puff Pass, which is, as I, as I like to teasingly tell him, it's kind of the African-American version of a Cheech and Chong film and all of that, so all of that kind of type film but how important do you think it is to be um involved in comedy and what do you think those aspects help bring to you you know i i think um having a background in improv helps um in fact i've met other people who work outside of the industry who've told me they've taken improv classes just to kind of help those improvisational skills like lawyers or you know people in completely different fields and they feel like learning those skills can can help them just in life or in their own careers and um i did a lot of that i i did some work um in different sketch groups i, I guess i worked at different venues in la one place was the, the second city there's there's a second city in hollywood actually right. i did a show there where i was a performer and a writer for i think two seasons and um it's you know, it's, it's not something I was pursuing hardcore. I've met a lot of people where their goal is, yeah, I want to get on Saturday Night Live or whatever. But for me, it was just, it was fun. I just enjoyed it. I felt like it was an exercise to kind of keep you sharp as an actor. And and I do, I definitely feel like it uh, transitions over into filmmaking as well, because, you know, it, when you're making a movie, anything that can go wrong will go wrong and right. then some. So you got to really be prepared to roll with the punches and, improvise you got to sometimes be on your toes because shit happens and you got to find a solution fast because time is money and you got to make your day and get all your shots and um i think i feel i feel i i stay really level-headed when it comes to that stuff i mean mostly not all the time a human but i'm i handle it pretty well i think and i i attribute that to having that kind of background with just going okay well Got to find a solution, you know. You can't sit around complaining about this. We got a we got a movie to make, and I uh, also just I've worked in television as well. It's the same thing when you're out there shooting TV shows and stuff. You run into problems, especially when you're shooting kind of reality based stuff where you're not working with professional actors. You're working with regular people, and sometimes you're shooting in somebody's store, somebody's home, and you know things can go to hell pretty fast sometimes. And you go, okay, we got to find another location right now or whatever, you know. Yeah, but 
there's the cat right there. Because I've actually talked that a couple of times where I've even watched some of the um, shows that existed or those reality shows. And I know some folks that were involved in like Survivor that came out of this area. As a matter of fact, I believe that the current season of um, The Bachelor has two folks from North Carolina involved in it. Both the, I think The Bachelor is from this area as well as one of the people that they are going into the relationships with and everything. So I think that some people think that that person has a lead in the possibility since I think the bachelor is from Raleigh area and one of the ladies that's from Durham, which is right next to each other. So there is some speculation that they may have the advantage just because they're from the same area, but we know that isn't always the case. But even when I've watched like that person that, just left 1600 and I'm so glad that he left 1600 but when I would watch one of his shows I'd be sitting there going like I can't believe that they pulled this off because I remember one time watching one of those episodes I think it was one of the Celebrity Apprentice episodes where they were doing something with a whole cruise line back when you could cruise and all of that and I'm going like that's just next to impossible that you're able to get all of these people involved in those situations and pull it off and particularly when they've got those celebrity egos which they've also brought into Celebrity Apprentice and everything but tell us a little bit about what how you got into the reality uh show field and some of your own experiences in that and by the way brandon who is a regular here and he has a travel show every tuesday here but he is also a comedian here on uh international broadcast media but he has the show that he does for us is a travel show but he was making some comments because he also comes out of that background of theater so he was definitely letting you know that he knows stand-up comedy is hard and he was also saying that improv is a great uh skill building thing as well and he was saying that comedy filmmaking is all about being able to be funny on a dime which is why improv actors do so well in the medium so that's his comments and everything and i want to say that he worked if i remember correctly because they did a whole new year's eve celebration that he's had some experience working in like uh the disney uh, parks over there in florida as well as doing some of those traveling kind of shows so he definitely has a lot of theater background and comedy background in his own uh wheelhouse and all of that but definitely i'd love to hear your thoughts about working in reality tv because we do know that that became a very big thing unfortunately it also helped us elect a reality president which i think was an unreality but that's just my thoughts (laughs) i agree with you there uh i kind of fell into it it was it was my day job you know when i was still acting i was bouncing around i i worked actually as a bartender for about 10 years and um and then got out of that and um fell into this. I was very fortunate that I, I had met a, someone who wound up becoming a really good friend who had his own production company and brought me on um, as like an office PA and then boom, next thing you know, I'm an associate producer working on these shows and and it just took off from there. Um, and uh, which became easier for me when I eventually left acting. It was always a weird thing when my coworkers would find out I used to do acting, like the, the, the movie I did with Ernie, for example. A couple of years ago, I was on a show and one of my colleagues, I don't know, I don't know if she was Googling me, I have no idea how she came across it, but suddenly she's like, oh my God, everyone needs to see Tara in this trailer for this movie. We didn't know you were an actor. <laughs> you are Googleable. <laughs> I uh, yeah I like as you're talking I'm like Google Google, Google. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though I mean hey, everyone's got a history and people change careers and whatever and the truth is it's not even like I'd never act again I I just I lost interest in it where I'm not pursuing it it doesn't mean like if you know a filmmaker friend was like hey Tara would you be in this thing for me I'd be like yeah sure maybe if I got time 
I'll do it. I mean, because, you know, friends do me favors. So absolutely. It's and, and if I ever did, if the passion ever came back, then I'd jump back into it. But I, I, I believe, you know, look, man, you should chase what makes you happy. Absolutely. But if it doesn't make you happy anymore, it's okay to let it go. It's okay to find something new. It really is. It's, you don't have to feel like, oh, I've committed to this. <laughs> it's, that's crazy. If it's not bringing you joy, don't do it. I'm not really answering your question, Mark. Sorry. No, you know, you're actually answering some of the questions. But one of the other things that we talked about on the show here and a couple of the shows and everything is the role of art and activism and art education. So I would love to hear your thoughts on how important do you think it is for artists to be activists? Because we did see that happen in the, the uh, world over the last several years. And sometimes we'll see artists make statements, whether it's around Black Lives Matter, whether it's around what's going on with the pandemic, whether it's around a number of other things. But I was just wondering your thoughts about art as a tool of activism. No, oh, it's huge. It's, it's, it's necessary. It's important. If you're not doing that, then what the hell are you doing? I mean, it, I don't understand this viewpoint that, oh, you're an artist, you need to stay neutral because you don't want to piss off people. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, the best artists are the ones who are passionate. That's, that's where art comes from is passion. And passion is also linked to activism. And that's what motivates you to become an activist. And I've been, I've been very outspoken, especially these past you know, four years with the nut job we had in the White House. And I'm not afraid to say where I stand. I'm not afraid that it's going to make people not want to work with me. To hell with them. I don't want to work with them either. It's, it's, I don't like people telling me, you know, ah, oh, you just make movies. What do you know? Are you freaking kidding me? You put a reality star in the White House. You're never, ever allowed to say that to me ever again. It's, you got, you got to choose a side. You can't. You you can't pretend you're Switzerland and you're just neutral. And 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 you have to choose a side. Otherwise, basically, a side is going to choose you. You know what yep. I mean? Yep, that makes a lot of sense. And actually, to be clear, we've actually done that twice. I think this one was the craziest one, but we also put Reagan in the office as well, and he also came out of that yeah. Hollywood environment as well. And he was. Yeah. Uh, we, had Schwar- exactly. we had Schwarzenegger in California, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I lived there during that. So <laughs> So there have been a few of them that have slipped in there, definitely out of the acting community and all of that. So definitely, I think that there have been a few of them. Unfortunately, I think that all of them have been a little bit on the uh, reactionary side in my mind and everything. Well, maybe not Jesse Ventura, but he came out of the world of wrestling. I know he was uh, doing some office work in Minnesota, but a lot of the other ones have definitely been uh, definitely not in that whole category of progressives and i definitely consider myself a progressive and all of that but one of my good friends and i don't know if you've ever worked with her but i love the fact that she actually uses her rants regularly to talk about what she feels are important issues and she also comes out of the field of comedy but i have become somewhat uh friends if not close acquaintances with mona shakes who definitely brings the whole pakistani uh kind of environment and does her mona rants and the minority reports and all of that so i love the work that she does and i try to pop in on a regular basis to hear what she's saying because she has some great guests and they oftentimes are engaged in these kind of conversations and a lot of times they do come out of the art field or the creative field i know i think last week she had a gentleman that was a interior designer and it was actually an african-american gentleman gay african-american gentleman but they talked about a number of things everything from black lives matter to uh the state of politics to a number of other great things so i do think that it is something that needs to happen in our entertainment field on a more regular basis so i'm glad to hear that that's your attitude as well what is your thoughts about 
arts and education because I sometimes feel that we don't do as good a job as we used to do in terms of supporting the arts in our school system. And to me, art helps create good critical thinkers. And I don't know that we definitely do a good enough job of supporting all of that and everything. And Brandon was making some other comments. So I've gone bringing his comments as I'm hearing you, but Brandon was saying that he has been in a live theater all his life, all over the world. Improv is a skill that he wished he had built a bunch. And he said, bartending is a great space to build improv skills. <laughs> and then he also said a lot of actors have had to let go of the career that gave them joy and have had to pivot into other fields how can someone who made their career life pivot in the current environment so that is a good question is how can you do the pivot because i am a big fan of pivots and all of that so definitely um anybody else said we've all turned to art and entertainment in the pandemic more than we have before and everything so definitely that's some of the comments that he was making and all of that so definitely and i think ubo magazine is going to try to bring me my hip-hop artist that will be joining us as well so i'm gonna try to send them the link and all but definitely could you talk about the importance of arts education to you oh that's huge that's huge it, it, it bothers me greatly that they're yanking and out of schools you know, public schools i went to public school 12 years maybe more <laughs> it um it my school had a uh, chorus, chamber singers, it had theater, theater class actually was crap, but we did school plays, you know, and that stuff, I mean, it, it's silly, but it's important. Not every single kid is going to excel in math or in science class, chemistry, pre-algebra. I failed pre-algebra. I think I failed it twice. Not every kid is going to be good at that stuff. And the, the, the classes that I really felt most inspired by were my English classes if I had the right teacher. I actually had an English class I didn't like, and then I switched to another one and I excelled. Um, I did chorus for four years. I took art classes for four years. You did it. You woke up today. You even got out of bed. You deserve a reward. We can't all be morning people, but we can all get McDonald's for breakfast. Right now, mix and match a Chicken McGriddles or a McChicken Biscuit for just three bucks. Order ahead on the Mickey D's app. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mobile order and pay at participating McDonald's. Um, when it came to the other stuff, I took the bare minimum that I needed to graduate. And it, it's, we're all so different. And it's, um, I think even kids who aren't going to go into the field of the arts, it's great for them to, to, um, to flex those artistic muscles, you know? I, I meet a lot of people who don't work in this industry at all. And um, they tell me when they were kids, they used to like to draw. And I'm like, well, do you still draw? And they don't. And I, I, don't, I don't know what happens when you become a grown-up. You just stop doing stuff for fun. You stop just, I'm going to write. You know, I'm going to like write a short story. Or I'm going to paint a picture just because I want to. You don't have to do it because it's, it's, it's what you do for a living. You just do it for fun anytime you want. There's places out there. There's little stores you can go in and paint a ceramic bowl, you know. Just do it. Spend an afternoon tapping back into that. It's so so important and taking that out of schools or claiming that you can't find the money to continue that is just bullshit man it really is i mean what are we doing are we just creating like uh, the future is just going to be these little militant kids that are just taught the basics and this and that and, and they're not going to be taught how to how to broaden their imagination or bring out that creativity you guys just said it the arts are huge especially right now brandon just said it it's really important right now what are people doing they're sitting at home, they're watching TV, they're watching movies, you know, when you can go out, I mean, it's kind of limited what you can do. 
this stuff is I don't like people that knock on it because it's it's you if you're not going to support the arts well then try going a year living without taking part and enjoying the arts as an audience member or consumer try that and then mm-hmm. I'll ask you how important that is to you Yep. And speaking of Brandon, I'm going to bring up his quote, but I'm also going to bring up Brandon because Brandon said that arts education needs to be funded. The humanities creates critical thinking and we need to fund that uh, more to prevent the thing we had in the White House. Yeah. So speaking of which, let's bring up Brandon. So Brandon <laughs> enjoyed this and everything. So, hey, Brandon, glad yeah. that you were able to pop in and join in this conversation. We've got Tara Price and, of course, you know, Kara and everything, because she's popped in on a couple of our shows regularly, who is a um, health coach and all of that, and definitely does a lot of great work around gut health and all of that. But we'll definitely be showing in a little bit, a little bit of Tea Time, which is the current one. And I love the fact that it's set in like this whole doll kind of like environment and everything. So I'm going to bring up that trailer (laughs) and you'll get a chance to check out this film that will be at the Nevermore Film Festival, which is a major film festival. It celebrates horror as well as uh, thrillers and um, psychology kind of things along those lines. So definitely celebrates a couple of uh, styles of genres, but definitely I am a big fan of it and have been a judge of it for the last, uh, this is my second year. So there are folks like Jim and others that have been judges for a number of years, but definitely glad to be involved in everything along those lines, but definitely glad that you were able to pop in and you were seeing that Tara has also got that kind of background that you've got in the theater and all of that. So I'm sure you've got some questions and some thoughts that you would like to share with our illustrious guests. Well, thank you. Thanks for letting me uh, beam in. I, I uh, uh, you know, love this conversation, and I think that uh, when you talk about health and you talk about the arts, there's a there's a deep connection there because you can't, uh, you know, you can't get on stage or in a film and and perform without being able to uh, inherit that that kind of persona and inherit that moment and 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 react and and create that moment together. So there's, I think, a lot that mixes there that we don't talk about. But I, I do want to piggyback a little bit, Tara, on what you were saying. I think that uh, we have to talk about the capitalism of the arts world, right? That kind of money-making world. So public schools have cut all the funding, and yet you've got all these BFA graduates and these MFA graduates who go to school to be in the arts. And, and it takes away a little bit of the enjoyment, I think, because we're told if we're going to go into this, we need to make the money. We need to make a living doing it. It needs to be profitable. If it's not going to be our career, it's got to be a side hustle. If we're going to paint, we got to sell it. If we're going to tap dance, we got to sell it. And so I think just saying, hey, you you can just sing. You want to go to a karaoke bar in Korea and just sing and have fun? Do it. Do what makes you happy and be bad at it if that's fun. That's fine. Have fun doing it. And uh, you know, I think that's the most important part of the arts. I think that's why people like to watch it. It's because it's people having fun doing what they're doing being good at what they're doing is, is, is a good thing, but uh, being able to, uh, you know, I mean, nothing is better, I think, than going to a bar and having the bartender be the wittiest, funniest person in the room, pouring you their drinks, snappy comeback from across the room. You didn't know they were listening to your conversation. I mean, that's that engaging environment where we're listening to other people, we're talking to them, we're, we're hearing what they're saying, we're yes-anding them, and, and we're growing that thought. So, um, you know, I'm glad to see you you preaching that message a little bit, and I think that that's that's important, and I think that we need to instill that more in our public school system, for sure. Uh, I guess my my question for for the both of you being experts in the field, sorry, that was a very rambly introduction. No problem. <laughs> but my question for for both of you being experts in this field is: so we talk about health, we talk about gut health, we talk about 
being a, a healthy person, um, I think emotions are important. You have to be able to express emotions. You have to be able to share them, communicate them. Um, so uh, maybe you can talk to us a little bit, Kara. We, we, you know, if, you, if you're not well, I don't want to say well-trained even, well-adept in sharing your, your emotions and, and having that um, communicative dialogue with other people, it can really affect your health as well, right? Yeah, that is the basis of my practice. Um, there is no emotional health without gut health and vice versa. If you have a crappy relationship with yourself and your emotions and your ability to even identify them to yourself, let alone others, you're going to have crappy gut health. You're going to just you know, it's, it, it, it's all connected. Right. So, um, you know, and even with art, like it helps build your intuition. It helps build your identity and the way that you know yourself and understand yourself. And that's super important. I mean, even in my practice, I'll be like, what do you like to do? <laughs> you know, like, well, I like to draw, but I'm not good. Like who said, you know, like, you don't have to be a Picasso or, or whatever, you know, do you enjoy it? Do it. And oftentimes, you know, even in the school system, kind of looping it all around, you know, there's this pull of we had to perform, 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 you know, I'm being a former educator. I got out of teaching in the school system because it was all about perform, perform, perform. And so many people just growing up knowing like feeling that they couldn't really pursue their passions or that they couldn't really understand their purpose as human beings you know and seeing how that just can affect your emotions and, and your health that is like so detrimental so yeah 100 percent, you can have the most healthy meal with like eight different kinds of vegetables, your protein, fats, carbs, and still not be able to digest it, digest it because you're emotionally constipated, essentially, you know, like it all is connected for sure. And Tara, how important is that? Because actually we had a guest on this past Monday who was also one of the Nevermore film people and they were actually involved as a producer. They were actually the, as I kept calling them, the purse string of the operation of that particular film that will also be shown during the Nevermore Film Festival and everything. But how important is it for you to have those kind of like nutrition aspects on your sets when you're making your movies and everything of that nature? I know that they shared a little bit of what they felt the importance of, of having the, the food element on the set as well as other kind of elements. But I would love to hear your perceptions as one that is both a director and a writer and definitely involved on a lot of different levels. Well, people got to eat. You got to feed them. <laughs> Keep them happy. Uh, you know, it's it's so interesting that I wound up on this 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 episode with you, Cara, because um, getting all personal here, but I just had a, a bout of, with diverticulitis this past October for the first time in my life. I was hospitalized for three days and talking about gut health, you know? And I mean, hey, I talked about it on Facebook, so I feel like I'm talking about it on the show. Yeah. But it is something people should talk about more because it happens yes. and, it's, and it's, it's awful. It's awful. And 
since then I've been reading so much more about how that's connected. Your your gut's connected to your head and and how whatever, depression, stress, these things, it's all linked. And it's fascinating to me because you're so right about, you know, you're eating salads, you think you're eating healthy, you think you're doing the right thing for your body, but if you've got all this other crap going on, it can affect that immensely. And anyway, mm-hmm. I just wanted to share that because I think people uh, just, you know, I'm human and people should know that this stuff can happen to you and it yes. happened to me. And um, it scared me. I didn't know what the heck was going on. I thought I was dying. My husband took me to the hospital. I'm like, ah, this hurts so bad. And How are you like, feeling now? I feel fine now. I, I absolutely feel fine now. It's it was it came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, I've always had what I call a sensitive stomach, but I felt like I'd kind of had a wrangle on it, and then that just came out of nowhere. But I think it's just this year, this COVID year of stress and this and that, and not working and everything, and it all led to this crazy perfect storm of that. And I've also learned that you know the perfect diet for one person isn't the perfect diet for you. No. Yeah, that's really interesting too. All the things that I thought. I'm supposed to be eating. We're actually kind of making me feel worse, you know, and it's yeah. just my own, my own inner workings, you know, everyone's got their own thing. So it's, it's good to talk about this stuff because so people don't feel alone. Does anyone listening right now? Who's, you know, going through that themselves. You're not alone, man. It sucks and it's hard, but you can also get past it. If you, if you will listen to what Cara's saying and definitely I can personally attest to what you're saying and that it is, it's all related to that. And again, I did not answer your question, Mark. <laughs> how, how, uh, one of the things I was going to ask you is how did you, um, cause you made this movie and I want to say part of it might've even been made during the COVID pandemic and everything. So how did you go about making this movie during this hard time that we're in and everything along those lines? Cause uh, we are finding a lot of folks are having to use this time to pivot as definitely Brandy was talking about earlier. So I would love to learn how you are pivoting in the industry when the industry is going through such hard times. We do know a lot of folks are also now thinking about not even going, uh, you know, doing more of the festival circuit or even the big movies going directly to streaming. And it's definitely impacting the industry in a lot of ways. So how has it personally impacted you, Tara, in the way that you were doing things? Yeah, it's been weird, man. It's, um, well, I was really lucky that we shot Tea Time before, before this. We shot it in um, October of the previous year. So it was in post when the pandemic hit. Um, we were wrapping up like, you know, sound and color and, and, and visual effects and stuff. And it was a little crushing at the time because we didn't get to have a cast and crew party. I remember it was like right on that, like it was just happening. It hadn't been announced. It was an official pandemic, but we were hearing about it. And me and my fellow producer, Billy Hansen, we had this conversation where I was like, you think, I think we should postpone the cast and crew party because this, this thing seems to be happening. And like, boom, like the following week, they were like, it's a pandemic. And, uh, I hear I was thinking we'd postpone it. It just never happened. And then, of course, like you said, the film festival circuit has completely been turned on on its head. And um, a lot of them have been postponing. A lot of them have just outright canceled. Um, some have kind of, sadly, I'm sad to say, have ghosted because I think they just don't know what to do. But um, and then there's others who've gotten creative and have done done streaming and stuff. And it's it's weird. I still haven't seen my movie. My movie's played. It's gone into 24 festivals, and I still haven't seen it with an audience. And it's it's a little. I don't you know. You did it. You woke up today. You even got out of bed. You deserve a reward. We can't all be morning people, but we can all get McDonald's for breakfast. Right now, mix and match a chicken McGriddles or a McChicken biscuit for just three bucks. Order ahead on the Mickey D's app. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mobile order and pay at participating McDonald's. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. Disheartening, if I got to say the truth, because it's exciting to see the way an audience reacts to your film. And I haven't yet had that experience. Um, when it comes to pivoting, uh, I've had other people who've reached out to me about, oh, let's make a movie during the pandemic. And I'm just not really comfortable with it, I've found. I thought, yeah. And then I go, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't feel safe enough to do that. I haven't worked this year. I'm not comfortable doing that. Um, that's, that's just me. It's I'm not comfortable doing it until the vaccine has kind of been around for a bit, but still going to be creative. You still got to have that outlet. So my pivot has been that I've switched from writing short scripts to short stories, um, to totally different format. And I'm pitching them to magazines now because I figure, well, that that's still going to happen, you know, and it's also something I haven't tried. So it's been interesting. I haven't had any luck yet, but we'll see. I'm super new to it. So we'll see. It's been a cool new thing to learn about, you know? And it's also been a challenge. It's been like, it's challenged me as a writer to go, oh, wow, I've been writing in this one format for so long to switch to, you know, this narrative form that's not in a screenplay format. It's a whole different animal, man. So it's, it's good. Again, you got to flex those creative muscles from time to time. And I think if you can pivot in a pinch, that's, it says a lot about how you handle weird circumstances that arrive out of nowhere. One of the things I was curious, and I just saw a news thing that went across my screen because I sometimes will have these different uh, news things that will pop by just so I can keep informed of what's going on in the world. And they were talking about Comedy Central, and apparently there was an African-American comic that was uh, making a claim of tokenism. And I know that that's something definitely that even here on this network that Kimberly Calhoun, one of our founders, talks about in the sense that she is very much an advocate for women entrepreneurs, women uh, rights, and things of that nature. So as a woman in the comedy industry, as a woman filmmaker, how do you feel that we are doing in terms of being fair in the sense of being fair to um, minorities, fair to other women directors, and definitely having a level playing field in the industry? Or do you think that that's something that still needs a whole lot of work? Oh, it still needs a whole lot of work. <laughs> and, um, but it's, 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 I've seen some things happening. It's nice. There's, um, you know, I, I, I send my movie to, to women-based film festivals and I'll also send it to just regular film festivals. And it's, I'm glad those, those women-based ones exist. They should. For any minority, I think there should be like a niche because it's, it's, um, it's a way to congregate with other people who understand the struggles you're having. You know, and I like that. I like meeting other women filmmakers and I, I like feeling like, is there a way we can help each other? You know, um, we're all in the same boat here. And um, I mean, yeah, sure. Do we all dream of a world where we don't have to have that stuff anymore? Yeah. And people get upset about that thinking like, I mean, I've heard people say, oh, if you're, you know, having special things, but well, if it were an equal world, we wouldn't need those, you know, and we're just not there. And I've, I've, I've definitely heard some grumbling from white male filmmakers saying, oh, well, what about us? Well, it's been your time, man. It's been your time this whole time. You really don't get to complain about this. Like, oh, no one wants you now? That's actually not true. Everyone still wants you, but you've now got to share the limelight it's with some other people. It's been your time the whole time, and you produced Cats. So, you know, you're <laughs> canceled. You're done. But I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, that 
you know, for me coming from from an LGBT background, having, I mean, my God, I can't tell you when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16, you could not find uh, a film with a gay character that wasn't either incredibly camp right. or died of AIDS. I mean, that right. was it. That was all you had. So to see a film where it's just like, oh, just two people happy and in love and doing their thing, I can't imagine for women, uh, you know, it, it has to be even more of a struggle and even more of a, a, a long, I mean, it's been a very long struggle at this point. So uh, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, um, you know, it, it's super uh, underrated to, you know, you have a classification of, oh, this is a, a you know, female film. This is a, 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 produced, a film produced by women. This is a film, you know, an LGBT film produced by gay people or lesbians. Uh, you know, it's a great, sometimes it's a great story and it just can't compete because it has those aspects. So you do have to still have uh, those elements of, oh, we're going to an uh, LGBT film festival. We're going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, different film festivals that are, are in my, my target. But I think that in the pandemic, we've seen such a huge demand for digital content that we've started to see the old, <laughs> I say this jokingly, the old white man <laughs> run out of good ideas for digital uh, media. Uh, you know, we've got cats, we've got the prom, we've got all these other, you know, things that are just dumping on Disney Plus and Netflix and HBO Go and all these other places. And none of them are doing well. But what's doing well are the people with unique, authentic, individual stories that are coming to the forefront on YouTube, on TikTok, on, mm -hmm. on streaming platforms, and actually sharing an honest, good story that emotionally resonates with them. Uh, and that's something you don't have a lot of in this world with such a demand for digital content since, you know, 2015 or so. You've really just had this this demand for films and, you know, online content and digital content. What can we sell and what can we sell and what can we sell? So having that authentic connection, I think, is, is so, um, so important. So important for your emotional health, but also important for the performer. Um, and I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see that you're pivoting and I think that you're going to do some really great things with some of your material, um, you know, in the next Fran Leibowitz maybe. But, uh, you know, I think that having the ability to, to creatively pivot like that is so important in this time. Um, and it's something that, you know, a lot of people have struggled with, a lot of people have been able to do, some people haven't been able to do as well. Um, but what, what would you say to someone who, uh, you know, maybe uh, at this time in the game is, is coming out of, let's say, college, they've got their degree in musical theater, they've got their degree in whatever, maybe they've, they've done some Second City, maybe they're in Chicago, maybe they're in Toronto, uh, maybe they're doing uh, whatever, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, and they're having, you know, kind of a hard time going, okay, now what, right? Like, I just trained for all of this, and, and th that's not there for me to do. Um, I mean, what's the, what's the pivot? What's the next step for those people? That's a hard question. Sorry, sorry to throw you with a hardball. I mean, I just met you, but here we go. <laughs> you, you know, you got to take advantage of what's around you. And we're living in an unusual time, but it's also an exciting time because, I mean, look at look at how media has changed and so fast. I mean, you know, podcasts when nobody was doing podcast well not nobody but like not like now like 10 years ago and we didn't have all these different streaming services you know and every, even the big the big wigs are jumping on it now you know hbo right. and they all want to you got hbo max now everybody wants to jump in on streaming disney 
And remember when remember when Netflix was just you getting DVDs mailed to you, you guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's when that wasn't that long ago, you know? It's wild. It's wild how quickly it's taken off. So I guess all I could really say to someone is, yeah, there's a lot of crap to be depressed about right now with lockdowns and we don't know what the hell is going on. However, we're living also in a really exciting time with so many different platforms happening. So if you can figure out how to navigate that stuff and what you think is going to work best for you, just you got to think outside the box. You have to. It's important to do that and find out, well, all right, I got some art to share. You know, let me first make the art and then let me figure out how to share it. It's it's. Yeah. There's so many things to choose from right now. It's it's don't let you got to be prepared to roll with the punches and yeah. and like you just said pivot and it's um just find what is going to work best for you. There's really no rule, man. There's no you can't be like, well, what is everyone else doing? I mean, what works for you? It's just it's it's like your your diet, your gut health. What works for everyone else might not work for you. It's the same with this stuff. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it's life because sorry, I'm cutting yeah. in. Um, so it, it yeah, it's life in general. Like even with me, you know, um, I had my my health coaching best business part time, and I'm like I'm trans I'm transitioning into full time and. You know, and, and wanting to have like the dream of having like my own office and one on one, right? And then building a rapport locally and word of mouth, like more sustainable. And then before you know it, the pandemic happens. And I'm like, but I don't want to internet market. I don't want to do a <laughs> health coach. What is this? Right? Yeah. I don't want a health coach. Yeah, you know, totally. You have to figure it all out. And, you know, just like rolling with the punches. So like, you know, it, yeah. it's all about figuring out your strength. What are you good at? Stick with it. If yeah. you, if you're good in one thing, don't try to be another, but like, just pick out your strengths, no matter your field, no matter what you're doing, no matter what your stage of life is, go with what feels comfortable and build on it. You know, like I'm, yeah. Like, and I love podcasting because last year and I recently uh, listened to a podcast about podcasting and <laughs> <laughs> which is like weird, but whatever. And, um, but she was saying that over 800 new podcasts uh, debuted last year alone. Wow. Uh, mine including, but mine's pretty amazing. Deep and Roots podcast, but um, <laughs> just saying. But um, it is a good medium, right? And the interesting thing about that is, like, you can look at that number and be like, "Oh my gosh, why even do it?" But mm -hmm. if it's your strength, then do it. Like, I love it. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite. Like, outside of actually health coaching and working with my clients, it's like one of my favorite things to do. Right. And you just have to keep at it and be consistent and do what you love because eventually the people who start it, they're going to fizzle out because they're like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like it. And so then it's like, great, cool. I'll keep doing my thing. And mm -hmm. it all just kind of evens yeah. out. Like, Oh yeah, it definitely. You know, evens out. Yourself as competing with others or trying to like, be seen out of a sea of people just like, no, I want to be seen as myself. And if I keep showing up that way, 
it's just gonna happen. Do you have to be creative and and have some ingenuity? Yeah, but like just just keep at it. Just yeah, yeah have some confidence. Have keep at it. Yeah. Definitely have to keep at it and everything. And I agree with everything that you're saying, uh, Cara, and everything. But definitely one of the things I was curious about with Tara and everything is what do you do? And I'm going to bring up uh, the trailer because I do have the trailer that I want. So you can see at least a few people watching what their reaction is to at least the short trailer of the short film and everything. So you can see what Kara's reaction is as well as Brandon's. But what do you say to folks that are told that they have to – get that day job. And I know I have that conversation. We were actually talking about that before you popped on and everything, because I actually had to work my day job earlier today and everything. And it's actually, um, it's usually a testing company. Like I mentioned earlier, that's why earworm fascinates me and everything. But and now we're making COVID kits. So it's nothing exciting whatsoever because literally it's boxing and doing some other non-exciting jobs, but it does help pay the bills while struggling along and it's money in the pocket. So what do you do when the folks tell you that they want to do the work at whatever age, whether they're in their fifties or sixties or in their twenties, but they say that they want to just concentrate on the field and don't necessarily want that day job or work or want to work for say a um, multi-level marketing company. Cause I've also been approached by them as well. Oh, nobody wants the day job, man. Nobody wants the day job. We do it because we got to pay the rent or whatever, the bills. It's, uh, I, I don't know if I have any advice. I mean, it's, look, you just, you got to, you just got to keep trying. I mean, as long as you want to try, you try until you don't want to try anymore is what I would say to somebody. I come from a relatively conservative family who is not into this at all, and they have no idea why I do this. And um, they don't consider, um, they associate success with money. So unless I'm making money, I'm never going to be successful in the rise. And you know what? That's okay. I have made my peace with that. So I would say to anyone, you, you do what you need to do. If you need to get a day job to survive, that's fine. Your day job doesn't define you. If you, you want to try not doing a day job and you want to try, I don't know, you're going to try to get a side hustle going, you do you, man. Don't let anyone else dictate or tell you, well, you got to fit into this box and you got to do this thing or, or you're not going to, you know, whatever. People have their own rules they live by. And I've been living my whole life like this with, uh, with you know, I, you guys can relate to this. I'm talking to your audience right now who's listening. Like anytime I, as an actor, or I'd get cast in an exciting project or even now as a filmmaker when I'm making a new movie, the first question my family would always say when I'd be excited and I'd be sharing the news was, does it pay? Does it yeah. pay? <laughs> you know? And it's so disheartening to hear that because it's like, Jesus Christ, you think I make money from making short films? <laughs> Hell no. Everybody would be doing that. You do it because you love it. And to me, that's, that's how I define success. Am I happy? That's how I think you should define success. Are you happy? Does what you do bring you joy? Yeah, sure. If it pays the bills, that's a friggin' bonus, man. And that's the goal everyone wants to achieve. But in the meantime, are you happy? Because if you're not... Change what the hell you're doing. Change it. Do something else. Find, figure out what does make you happy. If your day job is making you miserable, find another one. Or see what happens if you quit your day job. I'm not saying become homeless, for crying out loud. I'm just right. saying, you know, it's okay to live outside the box. You don't have to adhere to other people's rules. Screw it. I just walk your own freaking path, man. No, I definitely believe in rocking your path. And speaking of rocking your path, I've also got Sugar Tea that I'm going to bring in. But before we bring in Sugar Tea, since it's only a short clip, we're going to show a little bit of Tea Time. So what Woo! do you want to say about Tea Time really quickly before I bring on this clip and folks get to see a little bit of what Tea Time is all about? 
Oh, tea time is a little bloody romp. I had a friend of mine describe it as a uh, Calvin and Hobbes meets Scarface. Um, <laughs> a little girl having a tea party. It won Best Comedy Short at Nevermore Film Festival. Thank you, Mark. I know you're on the jury. <laughs> and I don't know, this, this is a really short little t trailer, but I hope you guys enjoy it. Cool. Assuming it wants to work. So let's see if it wants to work now. knife that your husband made? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's let me, awesome. Let me just, I say, I, so, I, I, you know, I have to just tell you, I've been on IBM TV for six months or so now, and we, we part of the job is we watch a lot of these. We watch a lot of trailers. There's a lot of films, a lot of short films, and they always bring it up and you're on the air and you smile and nod and go, that looks great. I would watch this. This looks... <laughs> <laughs> this looks like something I would absolutely on a Friday night put up on the TV and go, this looks fun. I mean, we this looks watch fun. It next month. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. I do want to bring in Sugar Tea because I know she's got a little bit of shortness of time and everything, but she has got a major event going on in uh, the California area and everything where she is honoring a lot of hip hop artists and she is actually a well known hip hop artist herself <laughs> and all of that. So, Sugar Tea, glad that you were able to join me. I know you've joined before in the, the past when we've done the audio conversation, but never this kind of platform. So, definitely share a little bit about this amazing event that you've got coming up in the Bay Area where you're going to be honoring a lot of the women of that area and everything and it sounds like it's going to be a truly amazing event but also share with our panel here and I've got Brandon who is a fellow co-host he does a travel show but he is also out of the world of theater and I've got Tara Price who is a uh, filmmaker stand-up comedian and a number of other things and I've got Cara who we're trying to negotiate to get a nutritious show here on this uh, platform but also definitely is involved in health wellness and all of that and of course you know me as one who's involved in entertainment and all of that but we'd love to learn more about this truly amazing event you have coming up in the bay area of california sure sure thank you so much let me just be clear i'm sugar t and i'm actually a life skills and transformation expert as well as a vision and wellness coach. Um, I also, of course, hip hop was my foundation, but I'm a multi-talented songwriter, producer, um, as well as a hip hop artist, but uh, in, a, in a legacy and more hip hop matriarch element after 36 years, celebrating my 20th album. 
have multiple albums within those 20, which are singing. I got house albums, blues, R&B, rhythm, soul. So I am a multi-genre <laughs> talent, yeah. uh, not the typical today's hip hop. That's very, very important for me to make that clear because what the narrative have become in hip hop is not something that I'm happy about. So, um, and it's, you know, covering of the older women such as myself, who trailblazed for it and got through a particular type of branding and then moved into many, many other facets that we're very familiar with. And that is those in which I presented earlier. So I wanna make that very clear and it's very much a pleasure to be here. I heard you talking about business uh, before I came in and about chasing your dream. And um, that was a great response, Tara uh, Price, in terms of what you had stated. Um, I have a book called Boss Up, Baby be about your business. And it's how to use your God-given gifts to explore entrepreneurship, to replace barriers and to make more money. And I specifically have been an advocate um, because I was a mother at 16 and, a, and, a, and two at 17. And I became a young grandmother very, very early between my career and, and shortly after my children became adults. So they're in their thirties now and I'm a grandmother of six, so very proud to be which my grandparents, yeah, my grandchildren are almost teenagers. So being able to have the well-rounded experience that I've been very blessed to have, you know, there was a lot that came with, with that along the way. And especially with the politics of being a woman in specifically the hip hop game and of a game of people who wanna, you know, where they've come to a place of everyone just having messages that are not always the most healthiest to uh, promote and to write. So, you know, I chose to stand in my own lane after uh, originally coming in and having fun, being a part of that messaging and then realizing, you know, after maturity and other things in life that you learn and you grow into, um, you know, being able to stay connected and continue to hold my legacy spot as one of the trailblazers, entrepreneurship is what saved my life. So it gave me the flexibility to move around. You know, I was definitely... Uh, I guess you would say discouraged by many people around me that always want to say, well, if you're sick of the music, then just go and work a nine to five and stay there and just be happy. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm a visionary. I could do it all. Don't box me like that. Let me enjoy. So instead of being supportive, you know, to me in that space, like you said earlier, Tara, this is very important of just be happy that I'm happy and this is what I want to do. So support me, <laughs> you know, don't put me down, don't send me in a different direction. So unfortunately in music and entertainment, it takes support to survive, right? You gotta have people play your music. You gotta have people, you know, like you. And I knew, you know, look at me, I got a young face. I'm 50 years old. You know, I probably can be considered sassy if people don't know my age, you know what I mean? And it's basically maturity. And, you know, and I don't, I'm not moving with the flock because I'm not always happy to talk about sex, money, alcohol, drugs, violence, stripping, bullying and bragging on myself. You know, I like to heal people. I like people that I, you know, people that went through things like me. Um, I like to reach them and encourage them and lift them up, bring them to a different space, expose them to other things in their life, you know, and transform lives, you know, and that's the calling that I, I'm excited to walk in. So because of that, of course, entrepreneurship helped me do that. It gave me the freedom and flexibility to say, screw you, mm -mm, you know, I'm gonna get it anyway, <laughs> you know, and from time to time, if I needed to go and do other things for that temporary moment, 
that's what got me through in a healthy manner to know I had another endeavor going on that I was working at, you know, until everybody caught up to me. So they matured and realized, oh, you know, this might not be the most healthy lifestyle to stay in, you know, and as women, as you guys know, sometimes it takes a little longer when you're in a male dominated environment for them to grow up and catch up with you because we're a little bit more mature a lot of times, you know, by scientific fact, right? Um, <laughs> so at the end of the day, I applied, I like that subject and I'm happy you brought that up and I'm happy to be able to catch the tail in. So um, alongside of that, as a woman, I wrote a book called um, Your Perfume. And Your Perfume is a woman guide to help her reinvent her brand and discover a new scent of success and how to better, better navigate through challenging times. Because of course, along with transition and, you know, walking in a path that you, you know, everybody might not be happy about to support you in, comes challenges, right? And so therefore, these tips are tips that give women specifically, because I'm a woman and I believe in always starting from your own space, um, to be able to help them better understand the things that they go through, how to look at them in a positive way, and um, and what that foundation consists of. And that's called Your Perfume. So both books, Boss Up Baby, um, that's Be About Your Business. It's for everybody in general. Um, it's available on Amazon or at sprinkleme.biz, which is this website on the screen, as well as your perfume and many others. So um, thank you. And so that leads me to the conversation about the event. Yes. The, the Sprinkle Me special <laughs> is an event that we use as a fundraiser. And I try to get provide fundraiser. I'm a social entrepreneur. Um, a lot of the work that I do, again, is changing lives. So I work in the space as a life coach, and we also provide services through different outlets. And one is a nonprofit organization called The Work It Project. And then the fragrance company, which is called Sprinkle Me Fragrances. Um, we're a social business of supporting women who are in deserving of an exploration opportunity to get more skills. So we have initiatives within the um, the company, SprinkleMe.biz. At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we've upped the benefits without upping the price. With Magenta Max, you get our best plan for 5G with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, you'll pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to 800 bucks. Only at T-Mobile. Capable device required for 5G. Activate up to 4K or video streams at 480p. 40 gigs high-speed tethering. Up to $800 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Support charges waived. See details at T-Mobile.com. You might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. We support the work in project and um, and it works as a collaborative of changing lives and giving opportunities to women 
as well as to others who are in need to help keep them from falling through the cracks. So this is one of our events. It's the Sprinkle Me uh, 2021 special. It's basically about honoring legacy. And the Bay Area is a plat as a place where there's a lot of innovation that comes from here. Um, and you know, sometimes we are overlooked, but we have put a lot into the system. And a lot of people are aware of what the Bay Area has contributed, but a lot are not. And I just wanted to start from home this year and honor those who are in the Bay Area and have contributed to the legacy as well as those who are connected to the legacy from other places. So it's a virtual event, but it's available all over and across the country. Um, it's at sprinkleme.biz slash event, and we're using it as a fundraiser. We're not only highlighting hip hop artists. I don't believe in sticking in only one space. I've always been a very well-rounded entity. And so there's all kind of people on it. We have blues singers that we're honoring and celebrating their legacy. Uh, sugar pie, uh, sugar, <laughs> sugar pie. DuPont, I think I've said it right. Uh, we have Lenny Williams. Uh, we have Tara Kemp, who's a, a songstress, um, a soul dance songstress. Um, Sugar Pie DeSantos is a blues artist, a female blues artist. Uh, she's somewhere around in her 70s. Um, so we're honoring the older talent as well as, because we want to give them their flowers while they're still alive. So just by pre presenting to the world what come from this crop over here and you know how we've contributed to world movements in music, entertainment, and community while having each other honor others. So we have other people on the bill, Dwayne Wiggins of Tony, Tony, Tony. Um, we have uh, we have Linnell, which is a comedian from the Bay that you know made some moves and moved around her messages of, of comic, co comedian world, and, um, and a whole bunch of other ones. So um, I do have the flyer on the site. You can see more, and there's a lot of pop-ups. We call them the pop-up. Um, there's lots of people who are going to pop in that's, uh, that's unique, that's special, and that and is a part of the Bay Area legacy and, um, and enjoying the movement. Sounds like it's going to be an amazing event and everything. I'm still trying to decide, and Brandon may agree with me and everything, um, I'm trying to figure out where Tara and um, Sugar T have discovered the Fountain of Youth because I don't know if you heard, but Tara was in California in like the 90s, which means that she's probably in that same area of being the 40s and the 50s as well. So I'm trying to figure out where they discovered this Fountain of Youth because they do not uh, have the appearance of what people may think of as that age look and everything. So I think they found the Fountain of Youth. I played the fifth. I don't know what you're talking about. There are Two, two lovely 23-year-old women on the show today, and I'm pleased that they're here. Uh, <laughs> I have to ask, though, so, so you, you gave quite an intro uh, there, and I, I'm curious, uh, the, one of the first things you said was uh, th that you, you uh, don't necessarily agree with the trends of modern hip-hop. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on um, you know, for someone who maybe like me, uh, you know, is has yeah. not found the fountain of youth and looks very old, uh, <laughs> but is of a younger generation? Um, is it is it the ten thousand dollar Yeezys? I mean, what it, what is it that sets the classic Chicago Atlanta house movement apart from? what people would call, I guess, hip hop of the modern day. Um, well, I mean, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Uh, sure, Brandon. So here's the deal. It's a long story and there's lots of layers to it. So, but I'll give you a little piece of it. 
Um, I've been doing a movement. Um, it's called the rap. My, it's my latest, my 20th album. It's called Rapidemic. So I feel that the rap world has became a pandemic. It is a they've made a pandemic out of the lives of people who follow rap. Um, it's not new. And people who model behind the behaviors that's constantly put in the media, um, covering the media waves. And it's not just I'm concerned more. So there's other genres, of course, you got all kind of uh, genres, you know, that, that are very influential. But because I'm one of the influencers and one of the beginning trailblazers of it, it's very important to me um, because I can see the transition through the years. It's been 36 years. I started in 1984. I'm five decades old. I'm not ashamed of it. I love saying my age because people think when you this old, older, mature, you need to give up the ghost and sit down somewhere. I'm not doing that. I'm, I want to encourage people our age. Yes. Don't give up your crown. Matter of fact, I got a system. I have a TV show called Queen's View. And I, I crown myself. You get what I'm saying? I and love that you just had that prop ready. I just love that. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, I had this ready because I'm taping a show. I have a podcast series called Queen's View. So on Queen's View, I wear my crown. <laughs> yeah, it's called the Queen's View Report. And I highlight queens and kings, those who deserve to be seen, who are on the scene of different places in life that change lives and that specifically position themselves as leaders or bring them on to give them some leadership, uh, uh, some, some leadership support to make them kind of do other things outside of what they normally would do um, that might not always be the most healthiest. So at the end of the day, um, you know, when you have, when you talk about the modern hip hop, um, it's just through the years, the messages just became redundant. And we were taken advantage of as an older woman um, in hip hop to make it look like if you don't see us, you know, then we get thrown under the bus. Uh, they did not allow us to mature, meaning that to have that life balance, um, which is why I work as a coach. It's very important, you know, to take a step back. They wanted to grind it out like a machine and they did not give people a chance to get balance. You see what I'm saying? Women like us who mature. So, you know, so 16 years in the game of making platinums and gold albums and hit records all over the country and being successful as a solo entity and as a group entity um, with my family group. I was blessed to be coached as an executive. So I understand the machine. I was able to run a label, you know, in 1984, I was taught that. So I've been able to run my own label alongside of, you know, of the group and family label to keep myself going because, you know, people don't stop for you. When you need to pause and take a break to get your head right, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're not there rooting for you. Mary J. Blige was blessed, yeah. but I'm not sure what comes along with her lesson. You know what I mean? Uh, because you get uh, what I'm saying? Yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. Sugar tea, just so, for those that are listening and don't know the full story, I know it because of uh, you being on the podcast, uh, the more audio podcast and everything, and Brandy's got that look like, all right, who is Sugar tea and everything? Would you share a little bit about the history of the family that you're referring to and everything so that the folks will have an idea of some of the history that we're talking about? Because y'all were actually pioneers in the hip-hop game. And like I said, I'm liking Brandon's face, and he's going like, all right, Sugar T is apparently a major player, but I need to know more as to how she is a player. So if you can share a little bit of that history, I think folks would appreciate that. Absolutely, Mark. Most definitely, um, 
for sure. I'm a trailblazer. I was one of the, I'm in the first family of what we call the rap, the click E40 D shop, be legit. They're all my family members, my brothers and my cousin. And we formed a group in the 80s, early 80s, um, as a family entity. And we created the movement for independent uh, movement. And so we were coached by our family. We were all musicians in church, in you know, bands, in different parts of of entertainment and creativity. My father's a musician, my mother's had groups, my grandparents had a church. So we all learned how to play instruments. We all learned how to sing, how to rap. And eventually we landed in rap. And that just so happened to be a space that we that we were able to master and found an opportunity to take some of the experiences that we had and put it on, on rap, on, on the tape, and then create it and put it into a machine and make it work. So we traveled the world with no radio play. We built our own brand. We sold records out the trunk. We stepped into spots and we had to show up. This was before social media. This is before you could fake it till you make it. You know, this was before you could put, create a, a brand online and then you could just sit in one spot and trick everybody. This was the real hardcore movement, you know, organic <laughs> that we set shop, set up shop and, and made gold albums and platinum albums in our own machines. Then we landed a big deal, which is it was a co-venture deal with Jive Records, one of the biggest million dollar deals that you could ever make. That was the first one of that time at that time. And we were able to have the best of both worlds, the underground and the commercial. And to this day, we still have that option. We have the best of both worlds. So we have individual solo acts. And we also have our group acts, very influential family across the world that people really model behind having independence. And so um, so that's the that's the story. So I've seen the changes. I was the first female of the Bay Area that create went across country and made things work out. And when I'm looked upon, I'm admired for that. Me and my brother, one of them, E40, we have the biggest brother and sister hip hop to whatever in history. It's a multi-platinum single that's been around forever that people love called Sprinkle Me. <laughs> that's why I'm calling the special Sprinkle Me special 2021 <laughs> because it's about information. It's about giving information. You know, it's about learning and educating others and enlightening people. And history has been thrown under the bus. People in this game, have their agendas and they're throwing history under the bus. So I'm stepping out into the game, making sure that people are very clear of my existence. Um, I'm, I haven't left it, but I've also, I've always put other things around it because I wanted my flexibility, my freedom, you know, and to stay in control of my environment and sometimes survival because everybody's not always in agreement when we want to do things we need to do. And they don't understand when you need to stop and breathe or you make a bad decision or you make a good decision and you think it is or it turns bad or <laughs> you become a time where you have to kind of balance things out. They don't get that in this and not in the hip hop world. This has been very helpful in other industries. You know, they had they do it in other cultures, other industries. But hip hop is the only one that I found that does this. And it's not it's not healthy to me. Um, we have become a programmed environment 
um, and we're walking in a space. So I step into a hip hop matriarch mode and can't nobody fight me for this because they know all they got to do is Google me. I'm on Wikipedia. I've been around it forever. It ain't because I can't do it. I'm just not interested in presenting the same message all the time. It is just sickening to me and it's degrading to who I am as a black woman, as an older woman, as a woman of community of change, you know, of it just doesn't make sense to me. And so I'm just in a space where I want to enlighten others and tell people, get up on your movement. Stop being so silly and only making yourself stuck and stagnated in one space so we can grow. And the older women, I'm for the support of the older women and the kings who support women who present themselves like you know, queens, you know, and that's each and every one of us for the diversity of where we all come together at and represent, you know, what's needed. And that's us leaving information for the people that come behind us that's going to help us become a better society and learn how to love while not erasing the history and continuing to bring up the younger generation, but making them respect the game. You see what I'm saying? Brandon, before you get to the question, I did want to bring up just one other guest because we got a guest all the way, and um, Taro will be glad to know this, all the way from Australia, who is also going to be at the Nevermore Film Festival as well. So we've got awesome. Robert Woods here in the house as well, and I know Robert had told me that he's got a film also that's part of Nevermore and all of that. So definitely we've been talking about a number of things. I'm a glad that you were able to join me. I know that all the way at Thursday morning, where you are at everything, because y'all are way ahead of us at everything. So it's not even Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening. It's Thursday morning over there in Perth, if I remember correctly, and all of that. So I'm glad that you were able to join us. And one of the things we've been talking about is we've got a definitely global community here because we've got Brandon representing Florida. We've got Tara representing Maine by way of California. We've got Cara representing Cincinnati. We've got um, Sugar T representing California. And now we have you representing Australia. So definitely we have a whole global entertainment community going on. And one of the things you said earlier, and I did want Brandon to get to his question and everything, but we had talked about it earlier was, and I'd love to hear from Robert as, as well, and I will try to pull up his clip also, but we talked about activism and things along that line earlier before you gave me on Sugar Tea. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about the importance of artists as activists, because I do think that that is a vital role that artists play, but I'd love to hear from you as uh, one of the ladies in the house. And then I'd also love to hear from uh, Robert as well. Absolutely. Uh, shoot, I think it's critical that artists should, you know, leaders in general, um, leaders that really, so they, they should always, we, we need purpose at the end of the day, you know, and to walk in purpose is so valuable. So most of us create our activism moves based of our on our experience. So when you see, you know, I don't think it's everybody's responsibility because you don't want to bring the wrong people in front of the game <laughs> and they come in and poison everybody and have that platform. So I don't root for all artists <laughs> and all influencers because we don't know what experience they had and how they might poison everybody or how they might lift everybody up. Um, so, you know, I teach leadership and teach people how to come in alignment with their purpose and so that they can do the right things. And we do find what's in them that can be something that's positive to change lives. Um, so I think it depends on which artists that, you know, activism should definitely be implemented in their lives and live that life, not just talk it. And most of it comes from our experience of what we went through. And that's where we get the power and we get the motivation because it's not an easy space 
to walk in. It does take sacrificing. It does take opening yourself up, you know, to getting beat up or, you know, opening yourself up to criticizing and people looking all in your background. And, you know, I try to be careful with even representing as a hip hop matriarch, fighting for social justice for older women in hip hop and being an empowerment to the older women in their game in general, the older generation really holding their post. You get what I'm saying? Um, it's critical because we have such a young population of those who think they got it all together and they have a piece of it, but they don't have the whole thing. And to sweep us underneath the rug is detrimental to the world. To sweep older generations that have information to help and this real experienced, you know, gifts, talents and exposure to things that that makes sense and that bring balance and to silence our voice is detrimental to the world in general. So that's my take on social justice. <laughs> Appreciate it. Robert, you're coming at us all the way from Australia. You saw a number of crazy things happening in American politics, which is now hopefully going in a more positive direction and everything. But we do know that definitely, even in Australia, there have been a push to have uh, artists as activists as well. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about the role of artists as activists and artists as educator. Definitely. I mean, we've just had Australia Day here and the, the, the actual date of Australia Day is very controversial at the moment. Um, it was changed in 1994, but it is a day of mourning for um, our Indigenous Aboriginal people and they are not being um, listened to by our government, and it is very upsetting. Um, and there are protests um, all in every capital city. Um, just, just yeah, two days ago, um, about about this very contentious issue of what it is to be Australian, what we think it is to be Australian, and um, and is does that go back? You know. 150 years or does it go back 60,000 years? And um, some people think one way and some people think the other way and other people are not sure. Um, so getting out there and getting voices heard is so incredibly vital. And the role that the arts plays in that is getting stories out there, getting those different voices um, out there and getting to hear points of view that maybe you've never considered before. And that's one of the things that I love about going to film festivals is just seeing points of view um, from all over the world that I never, I would never have expected to see anything about um, before, uh, especially from countries that um, their their governments do have quite a lot of um, control over their arts and quite heavy um, restrictions on what they are and aren't allowed to say. There are films that I've seen from countries like um, Iran that uh, that have been banned, that um, and China, where filmmakers have been um, have just been banished, um, and they're no longer allowed in the country. Um, these films are literally forms of protest. They are criticizing um, rules and regulations that they don't agree with, and they have been severely punished for it as well. So I think we're very privileged to be in a position where we are allowed to freely um, give our voices out to the world and have them heard um, and not be restricted in the way that some countries are. So I'm very grateful for that and I'm very grateful to be 
here today, this morning. Appreciate you for joining us early in the morning for you and everything. So definitely, uh, Robert, if you would, just tell us a little bit about your own journey into filmmaking and how you got into it there in Australia. And I do know that there are a number of places around the world. We actually, uh, for a while, had a show that was shown, and I think it's still being shown in reruns, uh, that was about the Indian film community that our friend Homera did and all of that. And then, of course, we've had folks that have been filmmakers out of California, out of um, Nigeria and a number of other places, but oftentimes we don't know about the, all the global film communities out there. I do know that Australia has a powerful film community, but talk about your journey into filmmaking. Um, my journey started when I was young and I was watching movies that I loved, like Disney movies and Jurassic Park and E.T., things like that, and I just wanted to tell stories. I love telling stories. And um, and was always just a, a, a sort of visual, had a visual imagination. So um, film seemed, and TV seemed like a good fit. So I just um, jumped on into that world and have been working in it and studying in it uh, since high school. Um, and I've, I met a writing partner um, and we created a bunch of theatre shows together. Uh, we write musicals, I write music, he wrote lyrics. And um, we had done fringe shows here and been very successful and won some awards and toured around the world. And we wanted to kind of take the next step because um, theatre is hard to to tour around the world. You need to get everyone together. You need to make sure they have time off work. You need to get all the props and costumes and everything and load it in a in your bags, uh, carrying a double bass and three keyboards around to uh, to uh, different countries was not fun. So we thought, um, our film was both of Val's first love. So we thought, oh, we should we should just double down on that. Uh, let's instead of writing a musical, let's write a um, a screenplay and see if we can get. Uh, get a movie together because we know our people in the industry here. Um, and we I've been working in post-production for long enough that I, I know how to edit okay and I can I can probably put it together. So we just went for it over one holidays, just got some friends together, no budget, um, no producer, just, just um, some kids having fun. And um, we managed to get a film together. So now it's very nice. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And uh, talk a little bit about um, how you found out about um, Nevermore and your uh, film that you are showing at Nevermore. I know it's a full-length film, but I'm sure that those that are here, including Tara, who's got a short in it, would love to learn a little bit about the film that you have got there at the festival as well. Sure. Well, um, I I had just done um, the Other World Festival in Austin, and... Um, I was lucky enough to win the audience award for the best feature there. And um, then I got contacted by Nevermore and they asked if I would submit so they could have a look. Um, It managed to create some interest, which was great. And I was like, yes, please, please do. Um, And um, they also liked what they saw, I guess. And so they, they decided to show it in their festival. Um, It is one of, two horror comedy features um, that, are, that are playing. There's different horror 
subgenres in the festival. Um, and there's only two horror comedies this year, but um, my film is very silly. Um, and it's just about a woman who is trying to host a dinner party for her friends that she hasn't seen in a long time. But um, an unexpected guest shows up um, and starts causing a whole bunch of trouble and it just completely falls apart um, and ends up being almost apocalyptic. So, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, Brandon, I think you had a question for Sugar Tea, and I know Sugar Tea's got to probably bounce shortly because she's got a whole host of other things that she's got to appear at today. So I think you had a quick question for her and everything, so I was going to toss it back to you if you had that question about hip-hop and all that, but then we'll continue our conversation around filmmaking as well. And I'm glad that your film, by the way, involves a dinner party, because as you know, the title of this show is The All-Line Dinner Party, so it's very fitting. Yes. <laughs> Well, I, I guess I still I'll, I'll kind of uh, you know make my question for everybody. I suppose we've talked about this a little bit so far, but um, you know the the uh, ability that you were talking about, Sugar Tea, earlier of of um, pivoting into multiple platforms, making yourself heard across multiple mediums and genres and in different aspects, whether it's online, whether it's you know this kind of communal aspect of of, of touring around and selling records and meeting people. Uh, you know, going to a, a space and having an actual show, an interaction, an environment. Um, and, and Robert, I think we probably relate to this too. You know, you have this kind of um, sense of community. You go to see a film, you go to see a concert, uh, you go to participate in an event. It's a sense of you're watching what's happening, whether it's a musical, whether it's a play, whether it's, you know, a, a hip hop concert, whatever it is. Um, but you're also connecting with those around you because you're all engaging in that art together. So um, I guess uh, my, my question. You did it. You woke up today. You even got out of bed. You deserve a reward. We can't all be morning people, but we can all get McDonald's for breakfast. Right now, mix and match a chicken McGriddles or a McChicken biscuit for just three bucks. Order ahead on the Mickey D's app. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Mobile order and pay at participating McDonald's. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. Maybe for, for the both of you um, would be... In, in this kind of weird world of 2020, how hard was it to make that leap from, in Robert's case, from, you know, uh, theatrical productions to filmmaking to, you know, telling a story through, through a different medium? Uh, obviously, I think, you know, the Sprinkle Me, uh, hope, hopefully it's a, it's a special every year from now on, but... Yeah. Um, you know that's that's a that's a, that's also one of those weird leaps, right? You're kind of taking um, what you've been so good at for so long and kind of putting it into a different world, and putting it into a different medium and trying to connect in a different way. Um, what I mean, what what for you? And I'll put this to both of you, both to <clears throat> to Robert and you. Um, what was the most challenging part about making that adaptation? Well, I'll be quick because I have to go because um, I have to interview someone. See, I've always been virtual, so this is not new to me. It wasn't an adaption. I own an online school, and I've had one for eight years now, um, Sprinkle Me Learning Academy. 
Com is where people can go. So I've been teaching long distance because I made my world around me where I can move around because I'm a grandmother. So I didn't always want to be forced to travel. I'm a wife. I'm a grandmother. You know what I'm saying? I'm, uh, I love dealing with community. I'm a life coach. So I, along with producing films and music and that stuff is so second nature. I have everything independent. I have my own space where I have studio equipment. I taught myself how to record, you know, years ago, you know, I kind of, I'm independent. I'm self-made. So um, I've always, and I didn't do it because I wanted to do it. I did some struggle. <laughs> so I built my stuff to learn from being left behind, being put in the box, being like people are now trying to get to 2021 and have to pivot. You know what I mean? And being in situations where I was cornered and just depressed because I couldn't move. So I've always, this wasn't a big pivot to me. This was actually more exciting to me that I can continue to do what I already do. And um, and really what was a pivot for me is trying to help more people come up to speed with me and the most and, and having empathy, to be honest with you, um, because I've been trying to push this mindset forever telling people to come up to speed with technology, begging people to get into cybersecurity, creating programs that fought for people to get up to date, you know, with the different things that are out here. And I I was told, oh, we are all over the place. And, you know, just pick one or two things. No, I'm not picking no one or two things. Y'all not putting me in a box like that. You see what I'm saying? So I had to work on myself from being empathetic and, and understanding that, <laughs> that I need to be happy and still and try to share and help and not say, I told y'all, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, so it wasn't a big change for me. I, I already was writing books. I already was writing movies. I already was producing. I have my own equipment. I have my own building, my own stuff that I've been using forever. And it wasn't hard, you know, um, just to be clear. And, um, and I'm grateful um, and very thankful. God is good. I give him all the glory. Um, I'm very spiritual. Um, that was a part of my happiness in my place of not being fearful because you could have been scared to death <laughs> from, you know, from all the stuff that you've seen that could have made you think, oh, the Internet's going to stop because that's where my balance was. Like, oh, my God, if, the, if they run out of cloud room, what are we going to do? <laughs> So, you know, so I'm trying to take advantage of why we got it. And, you know, and hopefully we can continue to hold on to the cloud and having the Internet, because if that go, then you probably have me calling everybody crying and going nuts, because at that point, I don't know what I would do. And before you bounce, before we get to Robert, if you could, I know that one of the things that you're doing is also raising funds for autism. And I know that autism is an important issue for a couple of folks here on the uh, platform here that are uh, part of the international broadcast media. So if you could share a little bit about why that is so important to you to raise money for those that are dealing with autism. Absolutely. So I got adopted. I adopted a community of, of autism of people in the ASD uh, over eight years ago um, when I found out my granddaughter, who's 11, was autistic um, and on the spectrum severely in uh, 11 years ago. She was uh, well. 10 and a half years ago. She was one and a half when we learned that. So at three years old, I took up the notion to support moms um, of parents of children with autism and to 
do anything I can to make their life easier. And so through the years, that's all I've done is we've supplied wellness and product lines through the Sprinkle Me Boutique um, to just give them gifts and let them feel important as well as encourage them to take care of themselves. Um, I put together a club called the Young Grandmothers Club to create grandmothers who are young and innovative. They don't have to be young. They could just be grandmothers who are innovative and to come and get some of the younger grandmother's energy as well as get into the culture and teach them how to provide wellness coaching and be, be supportive to this community of, um, of moms who have a difficult, a much, much difficult challenge than most the average mom. Um, and that's pretty much what the Sprinkle Me Boutique is about um, is, you know, we're an empowerment fragrance company. So we work outside of the typical production and collections and, you know, providing that kind of stuff. I created the fragrance line during a domestic violence relationship in my transformation and reinvention. So I said I would dedicate it to the support of women and people who are in transition and transformation. So instead of running back to the violence, you know, they can have other options. And that's why we have the initiative for working with vulnerable women, giving them work experience, um, career exploration, and also any way that we can, you know, provide support and referrals for them to get the things that they need in their life to help keep them from falling through the cracks. So that's what the Sprinkle Me um, 2021 special is about, is, you know, using this as a fundraiser to bring in funding, support. Um, we do it. I've been funding it forever. At one point, I'm going to get some funders. But for right now, you know, um, I'm doing what I can where we don't go under. <laughs> so that way it makes sense. And, um, and at this point, our goal is just to continue to keep inspiring that community. All right. Like I said, I know you've got to bounce and I do want to hear Robert's answers about the whole pivot during this time and everything. But one of the things I try to do on all the shows is give people an opportunity to share their final thoughts, their thoughts of positivity and all of that. So, Sugar T, before you walk out the door and everything, I'd love to have you share your uh, thoughts of positivity and uh, words of encouragement to our global audience. Well, thank you so much, um, Mark Lee. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, you guys are all beautiful. All you hosts, you guys are awesome. Everything that you guys do counts, so don't stop doing what you're doing. Um, we need the world to be a better place, so we need all of us just sowing seeds and pushing the movement of change and inspiration. So I just want to tell all the listeners out there, make sure that you support and stay connected to this network and whoever comes on it, you know, because you can learn a lot and you can continue to keep outlets like this going and make sure that you follow me at sugartea.com so you can learn about my podcast and all the things that's about me and the services and products and how you could team up as well as my artistic value and opportunities <laughs> through the artistic um, services that we I provide as an artist and as a um, as an actress and a producer and whatever else but bottom line is Keep up the good work and please come to the Sprinkle Me um, special. It's virtual so everybody can have access to it. It's sprinkleme.biz slash events. 5 p.m. this Sunday is when it starts. 5 p.m. PST and 8 p.m. EST. Again, go to sprinkleme.biz slash events. If you want to to, to register, great. It's only $15. If you want to give us a donation, the donation is writable. We are a charitable. Uh, we have a charitable partnership, so you'll definitely be able to write it off for taxes as well. Sounds good. And Robert, we're doing some calculations <laughs> trying to figure out what time that is in Australia. He's going like, what time is that in first? It's Monday morning. It's Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody. And I wish I could hear the rest. I got to interview somebody. This um, 
at three, uh, Cece Peniston, she's on the bill as well. So blessings to all of you guys. Keep up the good work. And thank you, Mark. No problem. Glad to have you on again and definitely look forward to having you come back on in the very near future. So, uh, Robert, if you could talk about that pivot, because we do know that a lot of artists have been doing pivots on a regular basis. So I'd love to hear you talk about the whole concept of uh, the pivot. Uh, sure. Well, um, I guess Perth is a is a very kind of small, tight-knit community because we're so isolated. I think we're the, the most isolated capital city in the world. Um, so our artistic community is... Um, very, very tight knit. Um, I think everyone kind of knows everyone else. It's, it is, it is like a small country town basically, but it's a city. Um, so, um, I managed to get this film together because I knew I was friends with so many great actors and improvisers already from, um, performing in fringe shows and performing in, um, improv comedy here, on weekends and um, just just knowing people around and was able to call in favors and um, ask for favors and people to give up their time to make a movie for no money. So um, that's how I got this film together. Uh, I guess it wasn't it, it was it wasn't because of COVID that I did the pivot, but it was during COVID that I was that I had shot the film that I was finishing it and. Um, and one of the things that's different, I, I guess it's my first film festival experience because I've never had a film to send out before, but my first film festival experiences were right in the, the height of COVID, um, the first outbreaks, and um, just not being able to travel and meet filmmakers um, and and see, a, see your film with an audience um, and get that immediate reaction was uh, very odd, um, but it, it did mean that I've been doing plenty of uh, calls like, like this one today, um, where I'm meeting new people and um, I'm, uh, many of the festivals had um, online sessions where they would meet, get the filmmakers to meet up and, and talk and chat about their films and um, do press like, like this. And it's been incredible and fantastic. Um, that I can sit here in Perth and at, at all hours of the, the night and day and and find people around the world that are, that are sharing in a, a festival somewhere very specific. Um, they've all come together and, uh, and are showing their work and um, eagerly like reading reviews and feedback, trying, trying to see if, if people are watching online. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been great. Cool. And one of the things that you just mentioned that I know Tara had mentioned earlier was that kind of like having that improv background. And I know Brandon had actually dropped into the conversation when we were talking about that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about the importance of improv to your filmmaking career, because that's one of the things that I was asking Tara as she was sharing how that helped in her growth as a filmmaker. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about the role of improv and the role of comedy as your development as a filmmaker. Certainly, yeah, it's a, a such a, a great tool set. Um, I've been part of a, a troupe here in Perth for, I think, 10 years now. Um, the, the group's been going for, uh, I think, 17 years, um, doing shows every Saturday night except on, around Christmas, um, doing improv shows 
Um, and I generally just sit up the back and, and play music to make up musicals for them. Um, I don't generally get on stage, but even that, just being able to play with them and um, uh, seeing it, just getting used to jumping in headfirst and rolling with what you're given, that was very much the spirit of, of making this film. Um, we had like so many disastrous events that would have probably caused most other productions to just call it quits. Um, but our whole mantra was whatever, whatever we've got, we'll just keep going. And, and then, and whatever, because we'd rather have a film at the end of the day than nothing. And yeah, um, yeah, so, so we managed to get through it and having a whole cast that's basically improv performers <laughs> was just so much fun. Like our, our film was fully scripted, but um, just even, even between, but between takes and, and during off time, we're all staying in, in a farmhouse together for a week and a half. Um, just hanging around with improv comedians is a lot of fun. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a really fun time. Um, they're great people to be around. Sounds like it. Uh, Brandon, I say, think he's got to get ready to bounce as well. So uh, definitely, uh, I know Brandon may have some final thoughts. And definitely he was going to also talk about the fact that we've now got product. Originally, it was on his site, but it looks like it's moved to the IBM TV shop and everything. So I've actually got product on there for the online dinner party as well as a couple of other shows that I do here. And, of course, IBM TV has its own cup. And who knows who else may get their own products as well. If we ever can get Cara to get her show on, she'll have some products as well. So definitely we got to get her first on the um, international broadcast media platform. But after we do that, then we can see if we can get her some products. So are you saying that if I'm hearing you correctly, Brandon, that we have moved moved our um, shop items from being on your shop to the actual IBM.TV, I mean, IBMTV.TV backslash shop shop. Yes. Well, so sorry. I feel like I just now I'm, I'm doing an advertisement in the middle of all this. <laughs> uh, but uh, but now that, that the, you know, they've, they've, they've given me this job, I have to do this. I have to pop into shows and talk a little bit about the IBM TV network. Um, so, yes, uh, absolutely. If you're interested in, in what Markley is doing, uh, we actually have a couple of brand new products, uh, Markley products that have never been seen before or ordered before that were available starting uh, this morning at 6 a.m. Uh, at ibmtv.tv slash shop. That's a mouthful to say. Uh, you can also subscribe to the premium membership at ibmtv.tv. There's lots of great shows. If you like watching the free shows on the air, uh, like Mark's shows, uh, Online Dinner Party, the radio show. I mean, he does. He hosts for hours. He can, he can host shows left and right. It's incredible. And I love watching all of them. And if you like watching them and you want to watch more, if you go to ibmtv.tv, you can sign up for the premium membership. It's $9.99 a month. You get access to all the great uh, content behind the paywall. But you also get access to uh, discounts for some of the merch. So if you want to get an online dinner party shirt for participating in the show or for watching or a mug or a sticker, uh, you can head on over to ibmtv.tv and do that. So I do have to go, and it was lovely to meet all of you, but there's uh, a little promo. <laughs> we appreciate the promo, but before you leave, I do want to say something that we also have in the works and everything, and I'm probably going to be speaking out of school, but that's all right. Kim and them know that I do this on a regular basis. But Tara, Robert, you'll be glad to know that we also have on our page, as part of the international broadcast media, a movie section where we will get a chance to show 
movies, but we don't have any movies there right now. So if we will probably be having a conversation with you to see if you have anything that you want to bring to our movie platform, because that's what we're looking for is movies for our movie platform that right now is sitting slightly empty. But we that's want to right. change and that. And if you are a filmmaker, if you are a creator out there and you're interested in monetizing your product, uh, we've created a paywall system so you can put your movie up behind the paywall and get a nice little share of the revenue for everybody who pays to watch or pays to subscribe to ongoing content. So, uh, you know, if you're a creator and you're interested in, in doing that, uh, you know, definitely reach out. And if you're wa interested in watching some of the stuff behind the paywall, you know, you can do that all at ibmtv.tv. I have to. I feel like I'm. I'm contractually obligated to say that. So there's my there's my requirement for the day. But it was lovely to meet all of you, and I'm excited to see what you all create. I hope it's a, a lot of fun and a lot of. Uh, you know, we we just need that. We need a lot of entertainment. We need a lot of fun. A lot of digital media. Uh, a lot of laughs. We need a lot of entertainment. We need an escape. We need to get away for a few hours. So thank you all for so much for for creating that for us, and I, I'm excited to see what you do in 2021 but it was lovely to meet you all appreciate you brandon appreciate you brandon one of the things and i'm going to ask robert antar this that is always fascinating to me and everything is um and i actually talked about this and car knows this um from when our guests there on the show on this past Monday is I'm oftentimes shocked and you talked about the different genres that exist within the horror films and I'm oftentimes <laughs> going like wait a minute y'all saw that the shark was eating the person why did you go into the ocean so I'm oftentimes <laughs> trying to figure out why people even bothered to go into these environments where they know what's going to happen Carrie already knew that she had been in like a not uh, bad situation if you remember that classic horror movie and everything so why was she surprised that she was getting abused and the same with the exorcist and we can go on with a whole list of them and i'm oftentimes <laughs> going like wait a minute you stole those people already were destroyed so why are you going into the basement the basement is apparently haunted so why are you going into the basement so as a horror maker and it's one that in your case robert you make it as a comedy so it seems to me that you're actually Take, taking fun at the fact that sometimes we do stupid things in the horror movies. But I'd love to hear you both of your takes on the fact that a lot of times, even though it's very much of human nature curiosity, that's actually something that Cara had me talk about on her podcast and everything. But curiosity is something that we all as humans are aware of. But I do know that sometimes when I'm watching these movies, even as a judge, I'm sitting there going like, wait a minute, you already know what happened, <laughs> and you already know that that's a bad thing. So, so Sarah, I'll throw it to you first. <laughs> oh, God. It's human nature, I think. I don't know if I've done that in any of my movies, but I'll tell you guys, my husband and I bought this house uh, last last spring and moved it. So here we moved cross-country. We moved into this old house. And a few months into living here, we were in bed, and we heard like a thump, thump, thump coming from the attic. <laughs> and it's the middle of the night and he gets out of bed and he's going, I'm like, don't go up there. <laughs> don't you know? But it's funny because I was like trying to rationally think, well, what, what could it be? It sounded too big to be like, you know, a little animal. But at the same time, like, there's no way somebody could get into There's not a person up there. Like, I'm trying to be logical, right? But at what the end of it, the you know, <laughs> 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 What if it's a crazy person? 
It's just what crazy. if it's a bear? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how, like, could a raccoon get in there? No, 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 it's not possible. Like, you do, you go through your brain like that. And, and it didn't matter because I still did not let him go up there. I was like, well, you wait, don't write these movies. Don't do it. Don't go up there. So, uh, Robert, you took the comedy approach from it because a lot of times, and I do love the fact <laughs> that you're adding the comedy approach to horror because sometimes I don't feel that there's enough comedy horrors but that's just my own personal take on that and everything but what made you decide to add the comedy element to it and why do you think that in general we go into these environments that we know are plain wrong even though we've like i said we've already seen <laughs> already eaten several people but you still want to go surfboarding hey i i live in australia and i go swimming most mornings in the ocean and there are shark attacks right off our coast here people have died it's not going to stop me. I know it's a risk, but it's so nice in the water. <laughs> We're so lucky to have nice beaches here. So, um, oh, I don't know. I, I guess it's just, uh, you know, poking the bear. That's that's what you want to see, though. Like, you're telling yourself, no, you don't want to see it. But secretly, you want to know what it is. Like, <laughs> you do. You need the characters to go and do that. Also, like, you know, in, in real life situations, yeah. <laughs> I guess you're not thinking, well, am I in a horror film right now or am I in a psychological thriller where it would be okay or am I in a, you know, am I in a rom-com where it's going to be something silly, you know? <laughs> um, the, the idea that, that someone would be self-aware that they're in a horror film and they know it's a stupid idea to, to go and check the attic <laughs> is, um, is amusing to me. And um, along that line, um, doing, doing a comedy feature um, where you get to sort of poke fun at those genre conventions. That was one of the, the reasons why we wanted to do it. We wanted to, um, it's our first film and we wanted to just acknowledge and, and shove in everything that we love from all kinds of films. So there's, there's sci-fi thriller, psychological thriller. Uh, there's, there's, uh, yeah. Um, comedy of manners, um, uh, it's a uh, comedy is our main background, which is why we kind of went with that. And then the film kind of slowly sort of falls into chaos and horror as it goes on. But um, using, using comedy as a way to satirize and, and twist those genre tropes and conventions is a, a really fun way to, um, to lovingly pay respect to them. I think <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. You got to pay those respects to them and everything along those lines and everything. Tara, I do have to ask you because I've also, if there's a certain thing that is missing from horror films, and this is just me, and it's a personal appeal for you and everything, since you've already got those animals that you have called weird, and we talked about that two hours ago and everything, I think that we need to have the cats involved in a horror film. So I don't know if your cat will agree or not, but I think that the cats and maybe even Kara's uh, dog, so maybe Henry and Rita can also get involved as well. But I oh think my gosh, Rita with her butt, she's been showing her butt. This whole <laughs> she has to make a little cameos. That was a hell of a way to circle back, by the way, Mark. Well yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that we need we need to have the animals involved as well. But I did, and I never got the answer from that earlier question. But I want to know what kind of tricks your animals have been doing that makes you think that they are weird. And then we'll find out from Robert if he's got any pets as well, since I know that Kari does, and I've had them in the past, even though I don't currently have any pets. But definitely, you said that this is something you and your husband find 
unusual, but they will never do them when you want them to do. And I know that cats are independent and they never do what you want them to do when you want them to do. Because me and Carl were having that discussion about how I remember when I did have a cat trying to put a leash on it and the cat looked at me like, you have certifiably lost your mind. I am not going <laughs> to get that leash. Yeah, we tried that with our cats. And the, 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 the two cats before the recent edition, um, one of them is about 20 pounds. He's a giant cat. And the other one's like nine pounds. She's little. And we bought leashes for them when we moved here, thinking we'll take them out. And the 20 pound one just laid down like, no, this, I can't, I can't move. I mean, he acts like we joke and call him our special needs cat because he, I think he's got PTSD or something. I don't know. He's been in the war. Something happened to this cat. He was like two years old or three years old when I adopted him from the shelter. I don't know what he went through before I got him, but he's got a lot of issues, but we love him. I mean, he's just, he's, he, you guys, he's like two feet long. He's this huge, huge cat and he could own the world, but he's scared of everything, everything. He's very timid. He skulks around the house. And that's in comparison to the little cat who marches in, you know, every room, like she owns the place. And it's just, uh, it's funny. You might've noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. Ctmobile.com. Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. <laughs> Hiya, pal. Where new stories meet tales as old as time. Enchanté, mon ami. And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. Dude, I feel like to non-pet owners, this conversation is so friggin' boring. But the rest of everyone else is like, yeah, yeah, my pet does this too. I know, I'm like, oh my gosh, my cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's important in everything. And by the way, we're going to uh, cheat just a little bit. Um, Jim will get over it, but we're going to play just a clip, and I'm just kind of like dug in the middle, so I have no idea what the clip is, but I'm just going to play a scene from Robert's film and everything, so then folks need to go watch the full film, so I literally just grabbed something in the middle. I have no idea what I've grabbed, so we're just going to grab something in the middle and see what happens. <laughs> but nice. tell folks a little bit about into the uh, about the film and this whole dinner party concept, so like I said, I just went and grabbed something in the middle, and we'll see. Right. Okay, uh, well, so um, there's a young couple that are going to get engaged and they're, they're doing the, the very keeping up appearances thing where they're trying to show off to their friends um, to, to, to establish that they are proper adults and that they have now, they, they bought a rural property, um, they have their own home now and they're going to be proper adults and settle down and do all the expected things of them. And um, they're hosting a dinner party to um, have a, a proposal uh, that they've planned meticulously. And this, um, this character that they haven't seen in many years shows up unexpectedly and proceeds to get drunk and call them out on all of their stuff. 
and say how how much they're they're posers and they're not they don't they don't really believe this um, and it really gets under the skin of the hostess and then some some worse things happen. I don't I'm not sure how much I should spoil. <laughs> Well, like um, I said, but, we, we do yeah. want folks to see the whole thing and everything, but we're just going to give at least a clip of what you do by showing at least a little bit. And I think I grabbed like at the 20 minute mark. So we'll find out what's happening at this particular point, just so that folks can get an idea of what the film is all about and all of that. So we'll just join from about the 20 minute mark and I'll just give them a few minutes. Okay. Hold on a second. I've got to get it and we'll have that. I see what I just did wrong. So hold on one second while we're having that conversation. <laughs> I just figured out how to do this. All right. So now, you know, no, I do know exactly what actually I think that was a good point. Yeah. It, uh, that pretty much establishes exactly what's going on. <laughs> cool. All right, so let me see if I can't find that. And we're going to go right there. And we're going to try once again and everything. So we're going to get that off the set and all of that and come back to the shared screen and try one more time to get your part on. All right, and here we go. And the shared audio. You know, we're just kind of like going along as we go along. Ah, there we go. Yeah? What did it come Show you where you can put that car? Uh, yep, sure. <laughs> Hi, Daisy. Hi. Oh, I'm John. 
nothing like inviting somebody certifiably crazy to a party. So definitely, you look like you got some good company going on there and everything. So it looks like there were some people that they were not expecting to be involved there and everything. So I think that I found at least a decent clip to give folks an idea of what was going on and everything. So definitely, Very you're much, awesome. yeah. <laughs> so, Cara, you know, what did you think? I feel like there was something going to something was going to happen soon and I was like hmm I want to see more anyways very interesting I love when crazy people show up to um parties just not mine just new parties yeah bring the drama yes just crazy people all the time from a filmmaking perspective, what did you think? You watched at least a little segment. It's a full feature film and everything. You do shorts, but it was a full feature. We got at least a minute or two of it. So and from a filmmaking standpoint, what was your initial reaction, initial thoughts? Yeah, I want to know more. I'm looking forward to seeing it next month. It, it, it looks good. Just the, the, I don't know, the one woman's expressions was very funny to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, a couple of them, actually, yeah. It looks good, Robert. I, I can't wait to see it. Thanks. Yeah, she's a she's she's a, a wonderful physical actress. Her facial expressions are great. <laughs> and are all the actors and actresses involved in this film all from the Australian area, or did you get some that were from other parts of the globe as well? As well, or they're all from your general area? They're all local. They're all from Perth. Um, one of them. Uh, is uh, two, two, one of them is now living in New York and one of them is living um, over east in Melbourne but um, they're all originally from Perth and they uh, two of them they just happened to be around for the holidays the Christmas holidays mm. and I said can can you guys they're old friends like can you guys just give up time with your family and just quickly come down south and shoot this movie with me <laughs> please and they said yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very lucky to have them. And could you share a little bit about the story? Because that's actually what Tara did earlier, because she had the privilege of having Ernest Thomas, who is with uh, What's Happening Now in that classic TV show, in her uh, one of her uh, short films and everything. And I did say I was going to get back to that. So I'm going to get to that now. So uh, my quick question, and then I'm going to come back to you, Robert, is... Tell us a little bit about, even though it's not the one showing, about earworm. And like I said, for those that are not familiar with the term, the reason that it really caught me is because an earworm is like one of those songs or something that you hear that you just can't get out of your ear at any time. So that's basically what an earworm is. So it's like that song that stays stuck in your ears. And I know that there was even been some educational essays where they have had kids uh, had to write about the earworms in their life. And you can imagine what those could be, because that could be anything from like... Um, the popular music of that's out today to some of the old classic TV shows and things of that nature. So when I think of earworms, there are definitely some songs that get stuck in my head when they came out, like Don't Worry, Be Happy, with just a little bit too much of an earworm. And there are a couple of other ones as well. So is that where you were going when you made that earlier movie, Tara, about earworms? Or was it going somewhere totally different? Because when I hear the term earworm, I think about those like things that get stuck in your head and you can't get them out. Oh, you, you nailed it. And I'm so glad you clarified that because when I, it's a play on that. It's a play on that. And I, I thought that that was like a common term. I thought that everyone knew what an earworm was. I have learned since they don't. And uh, <laughs> especially when it came to reviewers, 
we got pretty good reviews. We got one review that was not so great. And as I read it, I was like, oh, this guy actually doesn't know what an earworm is. Like, the whole point of my movie's lost on him. But it's, um, it's a five minute short. And the idea came to me one day when I was in the shower as where a lot of my ideas come to me. <laughs> and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if um, an earworm, you know, if an earworm was an earworm, but it was also what a lot of other people sometimes mistakenly think it is. Um, you know, an actual worm. Right. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but here's the thing. It's on Amazon Prime right now. So if you've got Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. Anyone out there, just go on it, look up Earworm. And uh, I don't I think, I don't know if you can look it up under my name, but whatever, you can find it and watch it. It's, it's uh, was inspired by exactly that. Because who hasn't had that happen to them? Yeah. I'm trying to edit a directing reel right now. And the song I'm using for it has just been playing in my brain constantly. <laughs> it's so annoying. So, Laura, <laughs> I'm sure that you've had some earworms in your life, some songs that just, like, stuck in your head that you couldn't get out of there. And the same with you, Robert. So what are some of the earworms in your life? I know they definitely don't worry, uh, be happy with one in my life. Um, I remember, and this is, a, this is my classic story of an earworm, gone wrong and as one in comedy you will enjoy this i tried to run track as a high school kid many decades ago and everything so i tried to run and i was very bad i was i had a certain talent that i have even now i was a good recruiter and so i recruited good athletes so we won a championship i think three out of my four years we lost my senior year because i recruited somebody that I knew I could beat because I was tired of losing. So I recruited somebody that I knew I could beat. And of course we lost the championship that year and everything. But, and later in life, I tried to go jogging and I started singing to the song, Don't Bother Me, I Can't Stop. And, and, the old <laughs> song and everything like that. Unfortunately, um, singing that song and Mother Nature did not cooperate because I was singing and I think I like tripped over a rock and I was like, you know, don't, you know, that, that whole thing about, uh, can't Stop Me Now, that's the title of the song, Can't Stop Me Now and everything. So I'm singing Can't Stop Me Now and The Rock Stopped Me. So I think that along the line, I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess I've been stopped. So I've made a whole lyric about that and everything. So Kara, what's something that is a uh, earworm in your life? And then I'd love to hear from Robert as well, something that was an earworm in his life. Um, I don't know, recently, and I was talking to a friend about it. It was kind of hilarious. So, um, you know, because I am an, an, an animal mom, um, every time I go to, like, hook my leash onto my little dog, he, um, he, I don't know, he comes up to my knee. Anyways, I still think he's little, even though he thinks he's a great dame. So I, like, hook the leash up, and every time I try to, he, like, circles around me. So, I don't know, for some reason lately, I've just been thinking, like, the baby shark song because <laughs> he like circles me like a shark <laughs> and then I go get him, and then you know I put I hook him on the leash and then we go downstairs and everything's fine well last night um you know he did the little thing and then we go downstairs and you know then we're just walking down the street and then I just start singing ba the baby shark song and i didn't realize i was like singing it out loud and then like <laughs> just like 10 30 at night <laughs> and these like two grown men are looking at me like from the <laughs> 
I'm like, oh, sorry. But yeah, that, that song's contagious. It just yeah, that's a contagious really gets in your head. <laughs> what about in Australia? I'm sure that there might even be some pop stars in Australia that are y'all's go-to earworms or maybe an American song. But what's a go-to song that just gets stuck in your ears? Oh, totally. Actually, one, one Australian artist, I guess it's an American um, movie, but uh, uh, I grew up around a lot of musical theatre, and that is a very dangerous for, for earworms, because um, uh, especially with uh, people in, in that community, because all you have to do is say like a, a word or a phrase that's, that's from a song that they like, and God, there are so many songs. Uh, and that's all. That's all the prompt they need, and they'll they'll burst into a rendition of it. Um, so that, that's 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 how that's how I grew up. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, yeah, an Australian artist that gets stuck in my head all the time is is Olivia Newton-John singing Xanadu. <laughs> all things like the, the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> it's just so stupid. But uh, it is a real earworm. Um, it's it's very annoying. I think like the only way I can get. Uh, an annoying song unstuck out of my head is if I find an even more annoying song mm-hmm. to to eat it. <laughs> and then I've just got that stuck in my head. But unfortunately, all of the songs I can think of are like really repetitive and annoying. Like uh, my go-to is the finger bus is coming. <laughs> like just really <laughs> lame, mundane, repetitive songs. But the earworms that always get stuck in my head are the ones that I, I don't know the lyrics to. I just know like a, a little bit or a phrase, and you just go, and you just repeat it over and over again until it drives you insane. <laughs> and you have to look up the lyrics. I'm like, what am I singing? What is that the word? I know they're not the words. Yeah. And what's the earworm for you, Tara? You made a whole movie about it. So, what is your go-to earworm song? It varies, but I mean, around the house, my husband and I tend to sing made-up songs to our cats to the Spider-Man theme song. <laughs> Constantly. That's a real cat lady thing to do, too. That's pretty good. Yeah, when we hit our third cat, I was like, we're cat people now. We're officially cat people. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, like I said, well, as a friend of mine told me, sometimes there are folks that um, have had kids, but as I remember, you and your husband don't have any kids, so the cats are your kids, because I know yeah. that I've got a good friend of mine in Vegas, and they've actually got an older cat. I think that their cat is probably like 10 or 11, if not older than that, so it's definitely a senior lady in-house there in Las Vegas, but they have no kids either, and they have been involved in various relationships but never had any kids, so the cats have become their kids, and this is actually they're trying to figure out whether they're going to get another cat or how they're going to get another cat, but I think they're going to let this cat... uh go through the rest of its course before making that decision, whether it'll be a cat or a dog, because they've also explored the concept of getting a dog as well. Coming mm. back to the horror concept and everything, I was going to tell you that one of the buildings I work at, we are convinced, everybody that works there, that it is a haunted building, and everybody knows that because it was a converted church and it was converted into a cultural center, an African-American cultural arts center and everything. But it was definitely a church. Like in the slavery days, there have been a number of folks that have passed on that have done work in the cultural community there as well. So I know that whether I've been working late night or and others have had the same experience. So it wasn't just me. They would hear like knocks. They'd hear music. They'd hear folks dancing. So they'd hear a variety of things going on. So those do, those do exist in the real world. So I do believe that there are buildings and everything. As I used to say, I just I think you have to respect those other ghosts and everything. So usually when I'm leaving the building, I'll tell them, I'm like, I know that it's y'all's time. 
I'm headed out the door now. So if y'all decided y'all want to like scare somebody, can you wait till after I go out the door? Because I'm not really trying to have you scare me right now. So you do have these conversations where you know that it's a haunted building. And I'm sure that there are even haunted buildings there in Australia as well. And you probably walk by them and you're like hearing weird knocks and weird other things that you're like just going to keep on walking and not try to communicate with them too much. Am I correcting that, Robert? Oh yeah, there's there's a house down the road from me that that as a child I was like that's a witch's house. That is a that is, is a, it's a very stereotypical Hansel and Gretel, very Germanic, pointy roofed, thatched roof like witch's house. I just randomly in the middle of suburbia that does not it does not suit the style of houses anywhere around it. And just walking past it, yeah, I'm like yeah, yeah I don't push me in the oven. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And I found out recently that one of my um, friends was like looking at buying the house for her and her family to move oh, in, but they ended up going with another one. I was like, oh, <laughs> they dodged the bullet. Yeah, they dodged yeah. the bullet. Yeah. That, that actually brings to the question, and this is actually from something that me and Kara have talked about in the past when she's appeared on several of my shows and everything. And I'm just curious. Um, how uh, and, and this is for everybody on this audience and everything and on the panel here. How are you dealing with being part of the creative community and also gentrification? Because one of the things that happens here in Durham is that a lot of times the creative community is the ones that make the center of the city hip and cool and all of that. I'm sure you saw that in LA. I know you've talked about seeing that in Cincinnati. I'm sure the same thing has happened in Australia. Unfortunately, then after it becomes hip and cool, then the artists sometimes get pushed out because they can't afford the unhip and cool prices that come with gentrification. So yeah. I'm just wondering if you could talk about that. I'll start with you, Tara, and then I'd love to hear Robert. Maybe he's got some perception from or perspective from Australia. But I do know that that does happen way too often that the artists become kind of the trail raisers of making something hip and cool. And then after it becomes hip and cool, it becomes overpriced and then the artists can't afford it. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the reasons I left LA. I was watching it happen. You know, you live someplace for 25 years, you're going to see massive change just happening right around you. And there were so many cool, like I lived a block from Ventura Boulevard in the Valley and so many cool like mom and pop, you know, coffee shops or little random thrift stores and boutiques and restaurants. And then they all get driven out. They all get driven out by corporate things and the rent keeps going up on Ventura Boulevard. And there was a period of time where so many storefronts were just empty. You would see for lease signs everywhere. And there's um there's actually a favorite store of mine. It's funny. I'm gonna I, I'll give them a plug. <laughs> they don't even really know me, I don't think, but I love the store. They're in Burbank. They're called Dark Delicacies. And they've had a move. They've had to move their store like, I don't know, at least three times to my knowledge, possibly more. Um, because their rent keeps going up too. But they keep fighting on, you know. They're this just this cool little bookstore and they sell all kinds of other horror. It fits in with the show because it's horror themed stuff. Right. But you're in LA, go to Dark Delicacies in Burbank. They're but, you know, they're the same thing. They're like fighting the man as far as they've had so many close calls with losing their place. And um, it sucks because exactly what you just said. It's the people. It's even happening here where I move. Not not on such a large scale, but I used to live in a little town. Before I moved to L.A., I lived in a little town, a little city called Portsmouth in New Hampshire. And I'm, I'm not that far from there now. And um, when I go there, it's just such it's so different. It's so different. It used to be so cool and arty there. And I could walk around that town and bump into a million other artists I knew. And now everyone's left. No one can afford to live there anymore. They're putting up, you know, high rises and in parking buildings and bullshit like that. And even in, in L.A. where I used to live, 
the street I lived on had a bunch of little old houses that were built in the 20s that were really cute. And they were all being raised so they could put in uh, luxury apartments. And who the hell can afford those? Not me, you know, that's where we're gone. But yeah, it's, 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 it sucks. It's sad. But what, what, what can we do about it? Yeah, that's true. What about you, uh, Kara? I mean, I know you're in Cincinnati and you were actually also, and I'll get to this conversation as well, involved with the Black Lives Matter movement there in every degree. But definitely, have you seen that as well, where the creative community there in Cincinnati was definitely kind of the people that brought the downtown area to its uh, livelihood and now that it's become, quote unquote, hip? They're the ones that are pushed out the fastest and everything. I don't know if that's what you've seen in Cincinnati, but I've definitely seen that here in Durham, North Carolina. And I'm imagining that it's all throughout the country and everything. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then I'd love to hear whether Robert's seeing that in um, Australia. Yeah, on my street alone, on my block alone, you know. And, um, like, I, I love that there are so many different kinds, like, so many different people from different walks of life. And and it's it's little... It's a little weird. And even uh, a couple blocks away from me, they're building like those luxury apartments with a huge garage. And it looks so out of place because my neighborhood, especially, it's a very urban, you know, like a couple blocks away from actual downtown Cincinnati. And like, it just looks so out of place. Um, A lot of Victorian buildings and then this monstrosity of crap and um they're trying to do it on the other side of cincinnati and unfortunately it was passed by city council and it's just sad because the the they're like yeah we're putting in affordable housing and these luxury apartments and the affordable housing is like 1400 bucks a month and i'm like How's that affordable? Yeah, <laughs> and it's a studio. How's that affordable? It doesn't. And then the places that are already there, they, you know, like for us, we yeah. watched a little building get torn down, a big high rise went up, and then suddenly our landlords were like, oh, well, we're going to now charge you what they're charging. And, yeah. Oh, and it's because there are like a lot of beautiful, like Victorian and, and like, my my street especially looks like baby brooklyn like a lot of the architecture was formed before like it was it was put in place before they brought it over to new york like mm-hmm. in the 1800s so we were like a testing ground for a lot of the design and, and architecture and um like even our roebling bridge it was built before the brooklyn bridge and it looks like the brooklyn bridge so you know like we have all this like you said like all these cool buildings and then they're like let's put up a parking garage because that makes sense well how is it there in australia i mean i know we oftentimes talk about gentrification in the, the uh various parts of America and North America and definitely even other parts of the Americas. But I don't know how much of it is going on globally. I do know that there's some around Europe, but I'm not that familiar with Australia, even though one of our people that pops in our show is a investment type. Shaquille uh, is out of Australia, but that's my knowledge of Australia because I don't have (laughs) as many folks that I know there. I know him and I know maybe a few others, but don't have that many friends. Now I've got you as a friend, Robert, but definitely share a little bit about what's going on in the sense of gentrification, particularly Uh, in Perth. It's it's certainly happening here. I mean, Perth, uh, relatively to all of these other cities, is is a new city. It's a young city. Um, It's 
was only really uh, started making buildings and stuff in <clears throat> sorry in the like the twenties and thirties. So we don't have. Childhood is wanting a variety of different baked sweets and someone telling you no. Adulthood is wanting a variety of different baked sweets and being able to go right to Mickey D's to get every single one you want. <laughs> Whenever you want. Get the new glazed pull-apart donut and a 99 cents any sized iced coffee with pumpkin spice flavor. Sweet. Prices and participation may vary. Limited time only. Iced coffee promo available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life gets more magical when you dream. So dream of a Disney cruise filled with magic and wonder. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. We don't have that long history. All of our big buildings and um, art centers are, are relatively new. Uh, but I do see it like in the areas that were... Um, small suburban areas uh, like where I work um, where they have a bunch of mum and pop stores and, and nice cafes and things around um, this, this small hub of a, of a main street and um, the you get yeah you get one or two big um, buildings in there and suddenly the, the rain goes up and it's pushed out all of the businesses um, that used to be there. And now they're empty because no one can afford to <laughs> to actually um, rent the place, and so they they've just kind of it's to their detriment because now there isn't anything there. The, the the places where I used to go to get lunch aren't there anymore. Um, so I've got to bring my own or get it from somewhere else, uh, which, which is annoying. And um, I, I think it's yeah, it's definitely made it worse. But one of the reasons why uh, we ended up jumping into film from doing our fringe shows is that the fringe festival here in Perth, um, it, it only started maybe eight or nine years ago and we uh, started making work and content for it. And it, the, it's grown. Um, it's internationally now. Uh, when we started, it was like the, maybe the fifth or sixth biggest in the world. Um, and when we started having success, um, it was a, it's a really big deal for the city of Perth. Um, it brings in heaps of tourism and there are pop-up venues all throughout the city and everyone comes in and has a great time. Um, um, but it's grown to such a degree that there are so many hundreds of shows on. Nobody, everyone is overwhelmed and doesn't know what, what they want to go and see. And, um, and it's been getting... Um, now a lot of flack from getting um, funding from mining sources and corporate um, sources that maybe aren't so ethically um, sound, and so and it's it's just become such a an unwieldy thing that um, yeah we just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. And like all of the artists that put in so much work and don't see any return, and it all goes to the the companies. It's, yeah, it's just just been. Um, it's really sad to see something that was that this fun, independent, artistic hub grow to, to such a big thing that now it's it's really detrimental to the artists and it's supporting the, the consumers and the um, corporate culture um, that's taken over it. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely here. 
And Robin, one of the things we had talked about before you got on, and I'd love to hear your take on this and everything, was the importance of art education. And we know that it's very important here in the United States, but we don't always hear the global perspective. So I'd love to hear your perspective perspective on how important it is to have um, artists be a vital part of the education system. Like, I don't know whether y'all give uh, that much support in your school system to the arts. I know that here we've had a number of ways that the arts have been cut, and here being the United States and things of that nature. But I would like to hear your thoughts about the importance of arts education. Um, I'm sure it's much the same here. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to a school that did support the arts and offered a, a bunch of amazing programs that I took part in and it furthered my love of music and drama. Um, and, but not, uh, not all schools have that availability. Um, I remember one of my friends went to a different private school and they had a, a full like media course with, with filmmaking and stuff. And my school didn't have that. We only had music and drama and I was so jealous because I really wanted to get into the screen side of things. Um, so yeah, the arts education is very important and our government is not great at supporting it uh, or even just supporting the arts in general. So we're, we're trying to, we're trying to push that. <laughs> and how about arts in terms of activism? Cause we had talked about that earlier before you got on as well, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on the role of um, artists using their platform to be activists. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's very big here. Uh, all of my friends, uh, they're all the ones, I guess, you know, you've got your social media bubbles, so obviously you're just going to get that feedback of, of similar mindedness. But definitely they're the ones that are out there protesting and the ones that are fighting for, for better rights. Um, and it just, the, the kinds of shows that we see here at Perth, the kind of plays, um, independent theatre that people are putting on um, and the film content, um, even the stuff that gets um, government funding, it's the stuff that they are looking for uh, is representation and diversity. Like that is a, it's such a, it's it's a, basically it's a requirement now if you want to get some kind of government grant to make a short film, you have to have a checklist of diversity and representation and you have to show that you can, that you're you're showing these things in your film um, because, yeah, it's it's such such an important part of, of what we're doing these days and making sure that our industry isn't just catered towards uh, one voice but is, is spread around and, and sharing um, everyone's stories so that the uh, the culture of of our lives is um, opened up and is able to start dialogue. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What was the take of um, Black Lives Matter when that was going on in Australia? I know that I know one of our people as the panelist here, they gave our thoughts and everything, but I'd love to hear your thoughts as to how that was, um, what kind of reaction was gotten from both Perth as well as the entire country of Australia. And also I'd love to hear your thoughts as to something about Australia that people may not be aware of. So it's actually a two-part question, but the first one is about <laughs> Black Lives Matter, and then I'll pivot to the thing that folks may not know about Australia. Okay, well, um, I mean, I, I guess it might be one of the same thing because um, I'm not sure if I'm really the person qualified to talk about this, but uh, just from what I saw, the Black Lives Matter movement um, was, it, it was followed very, very closely here in Australia because our our own systemic racism um, 
it's, it's towards the Aboriginal people, our First Nations people, um, is uh, is horrendous. It's it's really bad, um, and the the Black Lives Matter movement worked its way here into uh, their culture and into discussions about how we see and treat uh, um, our Aboriginal elders and what what position in society they have here and uh, how their voices aren't being heard um, and the, the incarceration rates for Aboriginal people um, and the policing of them, especially in the cities, is... Um, horrendous and we also have a horrendous amount of uh, deaths in custody um it, it's it's the same story as in the u.s um it's it's terrible and it has to stop and we're trying to get um laws in place and we're trying to get it through the government um and there is there has been a similar um sort of divide in the country um, the, 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 the left and the right where the, the conservatives um, are fighting it and, or ignoring it or saying it's not a problem um, and, and the left is, is trying to uh, make it stop um, and trying to yeah, defund the police. All of, all of these, these cash cries, they're all 100% relevant in Australia and they're all exactly what we're trying to do too. So we've, um, we've taken a great deal of interest in the situation and also uh, what's, uh, how they're going about protesting and how they're going about getting stories out there. Um, the, yeah, and like I said, with Australia Day so recently, it's, it's on the forefront of everyone's mind right at the moment. Wow. Um, this is for everybody on the panel and everything. What is your perception as to how things will be in 2021 now that we've moved into a new administration here in America? And of course, there is a vaccine out there now as far as the pandemic. And we know that there have been several crises that have been going on, whether that's the pandemic, whether that's the whole thing around uh, racism and things along that line. And of course, there's also fights against sexism and against the uh, other isms that exist out there, including uh, making sure that our uh, LGBT brothers and sisters have their rights as well. But definitely there hopefully is a new direction. But I'd love to know what your thoughts are as to whether you feel we're going in the right direction or where you would like to see us going. So I'll start with you, Tara. Um, how are you feeling about 202021? more optimistic than I was about 2020. <laughs> That's for sure. I do feel like we are headed in a good direction. You know, not it's not everyone's uh, ideal outcome, but it's better than where we were. And, um, you know, just, there's still a lot to be undone, though. It's really remarkable how much damage occurred in just four years. And, and I, I knew that would happen. But um, I mean, I won't go off on a big tangent about that. But it's, we got a tough road ahead of us because we were, all, I feel like when it comes to all those issues, we were, we're already behind the ball, you know, and now we got to undo all this other crap that just happened. But I do feel optimistic. I mean, conservatively optimistic. It's, we got to get a grapple on COVID. It's, it's freaking bonkers here in the States. And it's, I don't feel like, um, I'm glad we have an administration that's that's prioritizing that. But I, I also think we got to look at the long game more seriously here. You know, it's 
we we have so many people who've been hammered over the head for the past year that it's not as serious as it is. And sadly, it, it is. It just hasn't affected them directly yet. You know, some people for some people, it's just that's the only way they learn stuff is when it hits them directly, like they lose someone they love. And then they go, oh, wait, this is a cause. You know, it's um, it's unfortunate. It's like that when we've lost so many citizens here. But um, I yeah. think long game speaking, it's going to be like uh trying to get people to be comfortable with, you know, getting a vaccine and, and understanding that it's, this isn't going to be a one and done thing. I think we're looking at it like how the flu, the flu vaccine is right now where you get it annually. You know, COVID's not going away. It's not going to be like 2021. It's magically going to go away this year. You know, we have a vaccine now. It's going to be with us for a long time. And that doesn't mean we can't adjust and live with that. And it doesn't mean things aren't going to get better. You know, we're not going to have thousands of people dying every freaking day, but, um, it's good to be optimistic, but it's good to also be realistic, is what yeah. I always say. Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. What about you, uh, Kara? What's your thoughts on how you're feeling about 2020, 2021? Yeah, I, um, oh, this year is going to just continue to, to snowball into something. It's, it's a breakthrough for sure. Um, just the fact that we now have an administration here in the U.S. that is um, just a fireball. And, um, you know, the fact that they even, that there's executive orders for racial equity and, um, you know, transgender rights um, and, and all that, and making that just human rights a priority, that's great. Of course, um, like, what's happened in terms of like the insurrection on Capitol Hill and all that and just polarizing views, that's not going to go away. It's probably going to snowball and that's okay. But, but at the same time, like you have to have some type of fireball to have some type of breakthrough as well. So a lot of people are like, Hmm, maybe things have been a little, crappy maybe we are kind of going in the right direction maybe this you know maybe things weren't as great under the other you know administration and i know i'm talking in like the u.s view and and whatnot but i'm also like talking just in terms of covid too because a lot of people especially in the smaller towns and suburbs you know covid wasn't a big thing whatever and then families are decimated and because of this virus and oh yeah now it's a big deal and you know it it's horrible that it's taken that for some people to realize that it's a big deal but you know it, i mean it i don't know i feel like it's we're gonna get more fireballs and 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 snowstorms of, of build up and then you know but we just have to kind of like you said tara like people learn the hard way so you know it's we have to do all all keep going as you know and get through it to change our ways and we have to be kinder to we have yeah definitely but yeah the more we just kind of like you know just see what what's going on in front of our eyes instead of fighting it 
um, the better off we are. And a lot of people have seen a lot of great change within themselves, even last year. It's uprooted them to the core, you know, emotionally, mentally, healthy, um, you know, physically. And, and that can be a good thing. It can be a horrible thing. Like, you know, if, if you have a health scare, you know, but you, you come out of that and you're like, okay, where can I go from here? You know, and, and just pushing forward. So all we can do is just keep pushing forward, see what we can create within ourselves and, and um, just, just ravel in it and keep going. Yep, definitely. What's your thoughts about 2021, Robert? I'd love to hear your thoughts as to how you're feeling about this whole uh, world that we're dealing with. I just, like I said, there's so many things that we're facing, whether it's uh, racism, like you said, that doesn't just exist here in the United States, but it is a global issue, or whether it's the environment, because we do know there's some folks that didn't believe that uh, climate change was actually going on, even though I don't know how you can believe that when we've had some incredibly warm winters and some incredibly other changes going on, but there are folks out there that don't want to necessarily believe what's apparently facing them straight in their face, but they don't want to see it for whatever reasons. But what are your thoughts about um, your feelings for 2021? Um, uh, for, for me, it's it's not that uh, 2021 is going to be better or worse. It's more to, just the uh, the struggle continues that we just have to keep, keep pushing uh, ahead. Um, as you were saying, the climate change is, is probably the forefront of my mind. We have horrendous bushfires here and Australia like cannot survive. It won't survive another couple of years of bushfires like that. It, it just can't. And it's so frustrating that our, um, our government isn't doing everything that we think they should be doing to um, prevent it. Australia has probably the has, well, yeah, I think it's like the third worst climate offenders in the globe. They're, terrible um, because all of our income comes from the mining industry and um, yeah we're desperately trying to change that um, however uh, I, I do have a bit of uh, guilt every time I'm on one of these uh, <laughs> Zoom calls with people in, in the US because I live in Perth and it's so isolated and as soon as the outbreak happened, our premier locked the state down, hard lock for two weeks, and we haven't had a community transmission of COVID since July last year. We've been wow. free and roaming about and going, living our lives as normal since July last year. So I'm Zooming and Skyping with all of these people that are still still in their houses, still wearing masks, and it's it's... It's so upsetting and I feel so bad for everyone. Um, and I hope your administration uh, finally takes the steps necessary. I, I heard the other day that um, that uh, mandatory quarantines for international travellers for two weeks is, is now a rule. And everyone in Australia just was like, what, now? Like, that, sh that should have been... Like, we, we all did... Every other country did that, like... Mm -hmm. Last year. Yeah. Oh, man. That's yeah. just, I'm sorry. Oh, God. We had so a leader. Funny. We didn't have a leader. Yeah, we did have a leader, yeah. but now we've got a leader. So that's going to hopefully change. And, uh, and I know some folks that have said that if we could just shut down for two or three weeks, if we had done that in the early stages, yeah. we've, uh, we would not have lost as yeah. many lives as we have lost. Um, 
definitely here in the United States, but even globally, if folks would have actually done what it sounds like your leader did as a very effective basis and all of that. So while they might not have done some other things right, does seem like they did that part of it right. And I've heard, so heard good things about your next door neighbor and the lady leader over there. So apparently they've oh, done yeah. some really amazing things in the sense of what they've been doing in New Zealand and everything. So definitely I've heard some great things about the way that they were locking down. One of the things that we're going to wrap up and I do want all of y'all to give those final thoughts and everything. But one of the things that Kara is aware of this, that I do as part of the online dinner party is I give clues about a mystery guest. And sometimes I'll show the pictures. This time I'll just tell their names and I'll provide the pictures later on and everything. So I'm going to give you a couple of clues about some mystery guests and y'all can play along. If anybody's watching, they can play along too. The rule is that they have to give me an answer in the comment section or y'all can tell me as the panelists right now, if you know who I'm talking about and all of that. But definitely this is kind of the, mystery guest aspect of the dinner party because like every good dinner party as you know robert from doing one in a movie you gotta have some <laughs> games and other things going on so at the age of six um her chin was cut by shrapnel during a bombing in world war one so that's one clue about this particular person an accomplished cook she has written three cookbooks and in 1949, um, she entered the Queens of the Sea beauty contest and came in second, winning a train ticket to Rome, where she began modeling and acting in B-movies. And uh, this is another clue. Early 1950s is the runner-up in a nightclub beauty contest for Miss Rome. Movie producer Carlo Ponti is one of the judges. So I don't know if anybody's got any idea who this might be in yet. October 23rd, 1953, Aida opens. It is her first major leading role. And is in it, 19, Go ahead. Is it? Um, well, no, he's thinking, no, 1957, no, no. she appears in her first English-speaking leading role, The Pride and the Passion. She learns her lines by using cue cards of English words Reading phonetically. So that's another clue about this particular person. And in 1962, she won the Best Actress Academy Award for the translation is to women. And she portrayed both herself and her mother in the made-for-TV movie based on her 1979 autobiography. And she did 1991. She had a recent honorary Academy Award for Lifetime Achievement. So that is some of the clues. And oh, and this is one that should be the giveaway. In 2003, she was the winner of a Grammy Award for Best Spoken Word Album for Children, along with Bill Clinton and Mikhail Gorbachev for reading Peter and the Wolf. And in 2009, she appeared in the movie Nine, her first role in five years. <sighs> Uh, I'm going to take a stab, but I think I'm wrong. Go ahead. <laughs> take a stab, Tara. I don't know. I'm typing it. We're going to go to the chat. <laughs> We're going to see if you are right. You are absolutely right. It yeah. is Sophia Lorraine. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to say it because I was embarrassed if I was wrong. <laughs> you are oh, God. I didn't think right. this was a thing. I'm glad you just went for it. Yes. <laughs> that is exactly who it is. And just to bring up some of the other clubs, and some of these you're going to love, by the way. I was going for the quotes, and then I'll bring up the other one as well. But everything you see, she says, she owes to spaghetti. So she says that she <laughs> owes it all to spaghetti. 
She also said that beauty is how you feel inside and it reflects in your eyes. It's not something physical. And this is what she said to all you ladies and everything. She says, nothing makes a woman more beautiful than the belief that she is beautiful. So definitely great quotes and everything. And she also said that mistakes are uh, parts of the dues one pays for a full life. And then the last thing that she said about food, which I love this quote as well, is spaghetti can be eaten most successfully if you inhale it like a vacuum cleaner. I agree. <laughs> Accurate. <Yep. laughs> I do that. <laughs> and then chew. Just <laughs> <Yep. laughs> inhale it. Oh, and then that, well, I said that was that, but she also said sexy sex appeal is fifty percent what you've got and fifty percent what people think you've got. <laughs> and for those that are mothers watching, she said, "You are a mother. You are never really alone in your thoughts. A mother always has to think twice, once for herself and once for her child." That's nice. Yeah, that's a great quote. And then our other guests and everything, and that's almost a dead giveaway. So that should be when I flash that, y'all should be able to figure that out. But his <laughs> acting mentor is Gavin McLeod. He said, most directors can't act, and the meanest ones are failed actors. <laughs> <laughs> he has played the same character in five different series, including Charlie's Angels, Martin, Weird Science, and Love Boat, The Next Wave. Weird science. Yeah, and he appeared on Broadway in Archbishop Supreme Tartoff. And he said, "I started out as a actor out of necessity. I found myself becoming a director, writer, and screenplay writer to stay involved in the industry and in the exploration of the art." Hey, he sounds like you, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> And it says, I'm fortunate when I get recognized. It's a nice thing. It's a good thing. And by the way, I had the pleasure of working at the National Black Theater Festival and actually worked with this gentleman as well. They do readers' theaters and all of that. So I actually had the pleasure, yours truly, your host, of appearing minorly in a role with the person. So I got a chance to read and all of that. But like I said, it's just a readers' theater. It's actually, they do some great things at the National Black Theater Festival, which I don't know if it'll happen this year because of the pandemic and everything. But usually they have folks from all over the globe coming to the small town or the big city and I mean small city, of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and actually my friend Petri uh, Bird, who is actually, y'all will know him as the bailiff from Judge Judy. He hosts these great parties along with some poets and some other people out of the spoken word community. So we have been going for a number of years. I think that it started in 1989. So they're going to celebrate me. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. <laughs> Hiya, pal! Where new stories meet tales as old as time. Enchanté, mon ami! And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line.
many, many years of being in business and all of that, but it was at that particular festival that I had the pleasure of working with this particular actor. But if you ever get a chance, and no, they are not, um, they, even though it celebrates the African-American theater community, the audience is made up of a wide variety of people of different races, different classes, different everything else. So you would not feel out of place. And actually, there are a number of actors involved, and they even have a whole filmmaking section that they do as well. So definitely, hopefully, if they have it in real life, y'all can make it to Winston-Salem. It's usually held in uh, the late summer, like around August or something like that. So definitely they have African drumming and a number of other great things. And they basically take over pretty much all the theaters in Winston-Salem. So you can imagine the ones at Wake Forest University, at Winston-Salem State, the Stevens Center in downtown, and a number of other ones that are scattered throughout. And they pretty much just take them all over and have theaters, uh, productions throughout the whole area. And then they also have like a great um, consumer corner where they have artwork for sale and books and a number of other things so definitely if you get a chance come to the national black theater festival i'm involved with it on different levels and have even been involved on some of the uh planning kind of aspects of certain aspects of the festival so definitely i encourage everybody to come so as i was rambling on did anybody have any idea i thought the love boat would be the giveaway yes yes because i can see him in the opening credits <laughs> i oh, love that when i was a kid it's ted 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 what is his last name lang anybody know lang. Yeah. all right the person that we were looking for was ted lang ted ah. lang <laughs> Ted Lang is the one that played Isaac on the Love Boat, but yes, that was the one that played it on the Love Boat and all of that. So he's definitely, my favorite character on that yes, show. Yes. He's everybody's favorite character on that show. Yep. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I think everybody's got favorite characters. Speaking of favorite characters, do you have any favorite characters on? Because one of our other shows that we have here is Weed Wednesday, and the gentleman that is involved with that, his sister was involved in uh, Cheers. So she was actually involved on the set of Cheers and I think was one of the lead writers, if I remember correctly, and everything. So definitely, um, do you have any favorite Cheers characters? Oh my God, I love that show. Um, I like Ted Danson. Yeah. <laughs> Woody Harrelson. I loved Coach. I loved Coach before, pre-Woody Harrelson. Right. So <laughs> kind person. Um, yeah, and also, of course, you know, Norm. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Norm. I kind of went with Norm. The friendship was adorable. I don't yeah. know, I love them all. It's yeah, they were all show. great characters. What are some of the other great TV shows that you really enjoyed? And then I'll get y'all's final thoughts and we'll wrap everything up. But what are some of the other classic TV shows or classic movies that were your favorite go-tos and might even help motivate you to get into the industry? So I'll start with you this time, Car, and then come up to Tara and then come to Robert. But what are some of the favorite TV shows that you loved watching or they could be movies? Um, oh, well, I, uh, so I had like a brain blip and you guys were talking about Cheers. I love Cheers too. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's her name? What's her name? What's her name? But I loved Rhea Perlman. So like mm, yes. with Rhea Perlman, I love, um, she's, yeah, she was like a goddess, like growing up. I just thought she was awesome. And, um, but yeah, just anything with her when I was a kiddo, she was awesome. <laughs> what about yourself, Tara? Oh, um, favorite shows. I used to stay up late in the summertime because they would air The Twilight Zone late at night. <laughs> and after my parents went to bed, I'd be watching that. And um, and then, you know, it would lead on to other, like, 
Twilight Zone themed shows. You know, do you guys remember a show like Friday the 13th, the series? Yeah. And that was, um, you know, that was the regular ones, Tales from the Crypt and, and uh, uh, I, just all that. So, gosh, it's a wonder I make horror films. I don't know. <laughs> I loved all that crap as a kid. Yeah, those are some great ones. Were there any horror movies that you really enjoyed? I referenced earlier Carrie, and I know there was another other great horror movies out there. But what was your go-to horror movie growing up, Tara? I wouldn't say I had a go-to horror movie, but there's movies at that age that when you're a kid that you see and you're like, what did I just see? They kind of traumatize you, but in a good way that it just sticks with you forever. You know, I can remember as a kid seeing... Um, the reanimator for the first time man if my parents knew i was up watching that movie oh my god wow. <laughs> i know i was way too young to be watching that stuff but another one that really really stuck with me in a more um was uh the hitcher you guys know the hitcher Rutger Hauer. oh my god that that movie really scared the crap out of me that's the first movie i can remember really freaking me out but i mean stuff before that like oh i'm scared to go to bed but that one stuck with me well into adulthood no, there were a couple of horror movies that definitely stuck with me, and some of them were kind of abstract horror movies because I remember there was a movie about reincarnation. I have no idea the name of the movie, but I just remember watching it, and it really creeped me out because it was a whole movie about the person kind of like being reincarnated and coming back as that uh, reincarnation, and its whole life story was going on, and I just remember being very weirded out, and unfortunately, I cannot think of the title of that movie. And then, of course, there was the classic horror movie that just had weird things happening, like course you know the exorcist with the spinning head and the omen with a lot of other things which is why i'm sitting there going like no these movies are a little bit too graphic because some of those horror movies were highly graphic and all of that so i try to stay away from those super graphic ones and even to this day even judging these contests i'm sitting there going like oops it's a little graphic i might have to like put on the blinders for a minute because there are some real graphic things that are out there and everything but definitely that was creepy you guys, there was a, a way to bridge these two topics of Cheers and the Reanimator, well, horror movies, is a few no. years back, the Reanimator was turned into a, a musical. Did you guys know what? this? And it toured, and I saw it in LA, and George Wendt, who played Norm on Cheers, was in it. And it was so wild, man, because if you were sitting in like the first half of the audience, you were in the splatter zone, and you had to wear like but if you're wondering, like, well, how did they carry around the severed head and stuff? I mean, they did it. They pulled this musical off, and it was freaking awesome. That's because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what's the classic horror movie that's so campy that is oh Rocky Horror Picture Show. I know friends <laughs> of mine that have done those, and it's like the world it's coming back to you, Robert. It's like the world's campiest horror movie of all time. <laughs> but it's, it is, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I only saw that when I was in high school. Um, <laughs> Rookie horror, but it's it's very much you can you can see uh, when when I look at it now I can see its beginnings upstairs in a small London pub as a bunch of friends putting on a stupid little show. I was like, yeah, I, I, it's it's funny you can see that and see how it's grown into this massive thing, <laughs> but that 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 its roots are still there in this like silly little show that's being performed for like twenty people in a tiny pub. It's uh, upstairs <laughs> in London. Um, as as for for me, the the kinds of uh, TV shows and movies I watched growing up, um, we we get a lot of American a sitcoms of and a lot of British uh, shows. We we play a lot of like the BBC dramas and shows. And I just remember I, I watched 
I remember watching a lot of The Nanny <laughs> um, growing up in the 90s. And um, uh, there was a British show called Keeping Up Appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that, uh, that, that show probably had a very big influence on my movie with a, a hostess that's just trying to, trying to keep everything together and trying to, um, yeah, I definitely thought a lot, I've been thinking a lot about that sitcom fondly, fond memories of that, watching it after school. Um, and as for movies, um, I remember being three years old and watching the 1953 War of the Worlds yep. and it utterly terrifying me. The idea, just like the concept that there could be alien lives out there had never occurred to me. <laughs> and also the idea that they um, they were going to take over and that we had absolutely no way of stopping them. We're completely powerless. I think that, that powerlessness that we could do anything about it, like kept me up at night. And then um, later on I saw Predator and the idea that this now, these, these alien creatures could be in the room with you and you couldn't see them and they could just kill you. That terrified me too. I saw that way too young. So yeah, those, those were some formative, formative experiences. Oh, those are definitely formative experiences. You mentioned War of the Worlds and I'm actually a big fan of War of the Worlds and a lot of science fiction kind of movies like the 1984 books and Animal Farm and things of that nature. But that was actually, and this is a, mentioned this on this uh, platform before and I mentioned it on a couple of other platforms that I've been on. That was actually my reaction to 9-11 because when 9-11 happened, I was actually working at a radio station and I am a mass transit person. So I get around by buses and things of that nature. So the bus was actually literally waiting at the bus stop and a car went by. And when the car went by, I heard a announcement about the plane attack but not seeing the visuals. I mean, when I got to the radio station, because they had the computers, laptops were, uh, this was, what, 2001, so not as prevalent. It started to get some of this developing computers that we have now and everything, but not maybe as prevalent as they are now and everything. So I definitely saw it on the screen, so I knew it was real. But at the time that it happened, I just heard a car go by, and I heard this announcement of an attack. So the first thought that went through my mind was, wow, isn't this an interesting time to do a radio drama? So I started thinking that it was a radio drama. And then when I got to the station and everybody was panicking and running around the, uh, um, it was a college based radio station. And I was much past college at that time and everything, because that would have been 2001 and everything. And I graduated in 84, but I remember going and didn't realizing that it was a real attack and a real disaster that was going on. But my initial reaction was thinking, Wow, this is an interesting way to have a radio conversation and radio dramas, which still haven't made a comeback. And I would like them to make a comeback at some point or another. But that was my initial reaction was thinking that it was some sort of creative drama that was happening and didn't realize that it was the real thing. Wow, that is really, that's wild. Yeah. But um, now as we wrap it up and everything, I did want both of everybody here to give their last thoughts and their final thoughts. And I've been glad to have you, Tara, you sexed with me the whole time, as did uh, Kara and everything. So I'm so glad that you were able to join in this conversation. Robert, I'm glad that you were able to join me all the way from Perth, where it's early morning on Thursday right now and everything. But definitely it's been great learning more about what y'all have got going on. For those that are watching and are interested, the tickets are available and online. And I think that Ohio is in the geopolitical area because they do these things geo-wise and everything. So I think Kara can watch the films. I need to double check that. But I think she can, if I remember correctly. But if they go 
through the Carolina Theater website. You can actually literally get tickets to uh, see Terrace Short as well as Robert's full-length feature film and a number of other great films that are there as well. So I'm hoping that folks will go by the Carolina Theater website and get a chance to check it out. So it's Carolina Theater of Durham if you're going to do the whole Google search and all of that. But I'm hoping that folks will get by and check it out and definitely have an opportunity to see all of y'all's great work. But I'll start with you, Tara, if you've got any uh, final thoughts or words of wisdom or encouragement that you would like to give to the world and everything, I would love to hear it. And by the way, as I uh, meant to tell the others before they bounce off, but I will let both of you know, I and Karen knows this because she's popped in a couple of times, that y'all are always welcome to come back anytime that you're free and available. So if you're able to, anytime that you want to pop in, either on the online dinner party or on my other two shows that I do here, you're always welcome to come in and join us in conversations and all of that. So definitely, I have three regular shows and then I help with a number of other ones also, but do know that you are part of the international broadcast media family. And anytime you feel like popping in, I personally would love to have you come back. That's so nice. Thanks. You're never going to get rid of me now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I told them too when I'm here. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I said that's what I told Mark too, and I'm here. You're never right. getting rid of me. Famous last words. Uh, well, I hope people come. Uh, I hope people come check out Nevermore next month. It's you know it, talking earlier about supporting the arts and everything. Right. Here's your way to do it. Yes. So yeah. uh, it's fantastic. You know, you support film festivals, local film festivals. It, film festivals right now that you normally couldn't locally attend, but they had to go online because the pandemic, it's like a cool opportunity to check out a, a festival that if it's not geo-blocked, isn't really in your neck of the woods and see what's going on in another state or whatever. And I'm really excited to be a part of Nevermore. Everyone's so cool that's involved with it. And I hope people will come check out Tea Time. Um, it's in two different blocks that I understand. And one is the Femme Fatale block. The other one is the Jury Award winner block. Right. And um, Another hot tip is if you like pro wrestling, <laughs> you'll right. definitely like my movie because somebody <laughs> very famous in that world uh, is featured in it. Uh, I won't give it away who, but it, that's that'll be a fun treat if you're into that stuff. And it's, yeah, it's just a fun little thing. If you want to check out my other movie, you, like I said before, you can find it on Amazon. Just Google Earworm. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can watch it for free. And that's all I got, man. If you're in the States, please wear a mask. Please get vaccinated. Please look yes. out for each other. You know, that's all we got is each other, right? So let's, like, take care of each other and, and kick this COVID thing in the ass once and for all. Definitely. I appreciate those great thoughts and everything. I do want to get to Robert and then come to Kara as well. I was going to say that I definitely have uh, – my wrestling story I was going to share with you was that my um, granddad, who has been uh, gone many years from uh, – now and everything but he was a big wrestling fan and everything and we knew that if wrestling was on you were not going to turn on the tv to watch tears or anything else that might be on <laughs> the air because he was going to be watching um i think that his time um wahoo mcdaniel and rick flair and a number of those other kind of folks the valentine brothers and all of those were on the uh, airwaves and everything so we're talking like the 70s and the 80s and uh, definitely uh 
Rufus Freight uh, Jones or something like that was his name, but definitely those classic wrestlers. But we didn't know, and we tried to tell him. You know, a lot of folks don't want to believe it, but we tried to tell him that wrestling was like, you know, fake and wasn't real, but he was convinced it was real and he wasn't going to hear it from us that it wasn't a real sport and everything. And I'm still trying to figure it out. It is real, you- man. It is real. <laughs> Just because it's choreographed a little bit doesn't mean it's not real. Those guys take those blows, they take yes, those blows. <laughs> Run a lot of pain medicine. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I believe it. They're all those medicines and those pain medicines. And I've oftentimes been amazed at how active the women wrestlers have become because that's become something that's even more out there now that wasn't out there when he was watching it. The women were more like the card holders, but now there's some women that look like. Um, I'm not exactly inviting them into my apartment because I'm afraid that they might kick my backside because they look like they can handle their own. <laughs> Well, good. More women in a male-dominated field. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Robert, any final thoughts that you got at everything? Oh, I think uh, Tara summed it up so succinctly. I don't want to ruin it, uh, but yeah, please, please do watch uh, watch some films of Nevermore if, if you're stuck at home. Uh, I mean, it's some great entertainment, and it's uh, great to look for other festivals and and uh, just be able to travel around the world from the comfort of your own home and just try, try some new things out, things that maybe you wouldn't normally see. Get, hear some of these different voices that are out there and get a different perspective on life. It's a fascinating and really um, rewarding experience. Definitely agree with that. Um, Kara, what you got to say and any final thoughts you want to share? And then I'm going to bring up because they had actually sent me her manager uh booking person that helped her and everything and sent me a clip about the sprinkle me event so i'm going to play that as kind of my going out thing that sugar tea had sent and everything because eris is an amazing lady and speaking of folks that are doing some great work she's got her magazine ubo magazine out of hawaii so her and her uh significant other are doing a lot of work in the the entertainment field and sugar tea is one of their clients so definitely uh was uh, communicating with her and talking to her and she's actually provided me with some great uh guests including Haley jane who is an artist out of um and a musician out of the sacramento area and she was a guest on this past monday uh, i had to do a pre-recorded part but then we aired it on this past monday and everything and we also had son to one who is her significant other and a hip-hop artist himself and then ramon is one of her artists also so she's provided me with great artists and great conversation and all of that and of course jim over there at nevermore put me in touch with tara and robert and hopefully now tara and robert have learned that i have this great platform and they're just going to tell all their filmmaker friends about me so that i give have all kinds of great guests from australia and from new york and a number of other places appearing here on a regular basis because i just love having these kind of kind of off the cuff but interesting conversations about important issues but also having some fun conversation as well and i think i've just developed two new fans in robert and tara and definitely sugar already a fan (laughs) so kara okay (laughs) i was like okay let's navigate this no so no just i love popping in just to you know meet new people and i i'm honored to you know i've met you tara and and robert it's it's awesome and and um you know i love that you guys are you know doing your thing and making films and being just doing what you love and and what you're passionate about and um like 
Oh no, I just think it's great. Like with arts and everything, it's finding purpose and and all of that, and and it's all integrated. And and I love conversations like this. You know, bringing different people together, and I'm just honored to be a part of that. And yeah, Carol Oker, I'm a health coach. If you if anyone you know is curious or interested more, my handle is right there, like there. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show again, Mark Lee. I just I appreciate it. So. No problem. Glad to have you on the show. Once again, you always bring that great energy and definitely yeah. great insight and all of that. And by the way, and since everybody else, including Brandon, was giving free plugs and all of that, yes, I do event planning and a number of other things. So if you've got an event that needs planning or if you've got a lot of other things that are going on, you can get in touch with me at bluesradio at gmail.com. That's also where you can find um, send me guests and all of that because I am involved in event planning as well as doing some management of artists and things along those lines as well. So if you got an event that needs help or even if you just need a voice. So uh, Tara, Robert, if you need somebody, I'm not the best actor in the world, but I will dabble in that. <laughs> but if you need like a voiceover work, I've got plenty of availability. So if you need some voiceover work, it is definitely here for you and all of that. We'll just have to negotiate terms because it is about everybody getting at least some semblance of a reward as uh, definitely Sugar T was talking about. So let's check out this ad that she's got for the Sprinkle Me event that she's got coming up and that will wrap everything up pretty much. Guess what's coming up? Virtual 2021 special highlighting legacy voices of the day. With special performances and guests, along with celebrating legacy voices like Dwayne Williams, The Clips, Stephen Kent, Howard Kemp, Sugar T, The Real Rick Ross, Lenny Williams, Linnell Campbell, Gary Sinclair, Mark Curry, Sugar Pie DeSanto, Ruby Gaines, hosted today by the legendary MC Chai D, DJ Pizzo, and Football Rampage. Be the first to experience an exclusive reveal of the latest special collections with Strictly Boutique and help us find legacy voices of the day. January 31st, 5 p.m. PST, 8 p.m. EST. Get your tickets now, only $15. Proceeds support families and children with autism and community programs from the Work and World Project. Participants will receive a free gift from the Strictly Boutique. See you there, January 31st. Nice. And what time is that again in Perth, Australia? So that we can keep ourselves going on the time differences. It'll be February by then. It'll be a whole month ahead. <laughs> yeah. It'll be February 1st on that particular day there in Australia because y'all will already be on Monday at that particular time and everything. So, like I said, y'all have been some great guests and everything. So, I do want to thank you both for uh, all three of you for being on, as well as uh, Sugar Tea. And earlier, we had Brandon on. And by the way, if you go on Tuesdays, you can see that he's got his show here as well, which is Best of Travel, where he gives the little travel tips about ways to uh, save money and all of that. And he is definitely of the opinion that we will eventually be getting back to traveling. So, you need to learn these tips now so that when we get get back to travel, you'll know where to stay 
and all of that because he has traveled around the world and learned all kinds of tricks and he's also open to having conversations with you as he is giving you these tips and i understand i believe he's supposed to be starting in the near future a show about road trips because it is my understanding that a lot of folks are of the belief that the first trips to go on won't necessarily be the international trips they'll be the trips that are kind of close by your neighborhood that are kind of like if you're in perth australia you might find some area that's nearby that you're We'll go visit and definitely here it'll be like maybe going to the beaches or going to the mountains of North Carolina or going to places like that. So it'll be the more immediate kind of road trips. And then hopefully we'll eventually get back to more of the international kind of trips. And I know I need to do much better in that regard because I've only traveled internationally I guess technically twice because I went on a cruise that included uh, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, and a couple of other places. And as a young baby, my dad was in the Air Force, so I went to Turkey. So I've not done enough international travel. I'm thinking that I need to do more of that. Robert's shaking his head like, I need to get out of the Australia area a little bit more. Robert's <laughs> shaking her head like, hey, I'm going to think of it. I've not been enough places either. <laughs> Let's go to Perth. We're doing it. Yes. Come here. Road trip. You'll have to quarantine <laughs> for two weeks. We're all going to crash at your place, Robert. I hope that's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're going to my black void. This is my home theater. So, <laughs> so we're all going to crash over there at Robert's house. But right now, we're going to get ready to get this airplane on out of here, which is kind of the thing that we do at the end of most shows. Sometimes I'll bring up the ambassador. This time, it's just going to be this airplane. Hold on, folks. Uh, I hit in broadcast. Yeah, try to hit in broadcast. <laughs> you might have noticed a change in your neighborhood lately. Yep, Sprint stores are now T-Mobile stores. Now that Sprint is T-Mobile, you get more coverage, value, and benefits than ever before. We've invested billions to bring our 5G from big cities to small towns across America. And great coverage is just the start. From high-speed mobile hotspot data to weekly deals and giveaways, our customers get tons of great benefits. Head to your new T-Mobile store to learn more. Qualifying service and capable device required. Coverage is not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. Ctmobile.com. Life gets a lot more magical when you dream. So let's dream of a vacation unlike any other. A magical Disney cruise. <laughs> Hiya, pal. Where new stories meet tales as old as time. Enchanté, mon ami. And your family will be cared for the moment you step aboard. Sail from Florida to Disney's private island paradise and get ready for a dream come true with Disney Cruise Line. 